This is the Dear Warren Podcast. Uh, well, it's starting now, and I usually start everything off with saying, uh, welcome to Dear Warren Podcast. And uh, if you're new here, we do backseat parenting. We, stare, uh, we share stories, principles, parables, uh, lessons, and we attempt to pass them down to my son, Warren. But most importantly of all, most importantly of all we uh, just try to have fun. Uh, my guest this week is my very good friend, Mr. Sean Gordley. Hello, hello. And Gary Delbate. Yes. And, and um, I apologize if I'm a little tired going into everything. Uh, Sean and I just got back. He helped uh, attend um, my son Warren's first birthday party. And um, a little, oh, just coming down from it. My back is sore, except he's, uh, Sean's a little giddy. Yeah. So I get the, I get the uh, lesser version mm. of Eki today. I see that. Nah. Is, is this the first? What's that coming down off of? No, coming down off of injury slash exhaustion <laughs> podcast. Am, am I getting this one? <laughs> no, you're, no, you're 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 not. I've had I've had other nights where where it's been even even later. Right. We tried to do one, Justin and I tried to do one where we were watching like a um, NXT or mm. or something, or we were doing one where Jess was trying to play a video game at the same time, and she was just getting gr- she was getting snappy at the end. When you, I was I was trying to like backseat like game her and she's like no i don't want to go there i don't want to go there so 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 when you record and play Mm -hmm. i'm guessing the switch Mm -hmm. which is let's face it the most um user-friendly family-friendly like fun console Mm. out i mean nintendo is notorious for that Mm -hmm. do you play right here at this table when we do the podcast yes that's what i'm asking so we uh, so we can sit down and i can get like a, a good view uh, I mean, we could try to do no. that on the couch, but I'd have to move the whole right. setup over. Right. I'm, I'm envious of the Switch situation. Ah. Uh, not not well, necessarily financially, but, <laughs> you know, we talked about this uh, privately, mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. There's only so much media it can consume, whether that's TV, books, uh, podcasts, even video game play. Yes. There's only so much time of the day. I got a PS4. I'm trying to play, mm-hmm. you know, Destiny 2. I barely even touch that. I would love to pile on some Switch action because uh, my wife, also named Jess, as you know, obviously, you've known my Jess wife. Jess one. You've known my, Je- my Jess. You've known Your my Jess wife. Your Jess is Jess one. Jess yes. is actually Jess two. I, I feel weird when you say that. It, it's almost self-deprecating that you call your own wife the second Jess. <laughs> she calls herself Jess too. That's the crazy thing. And and and, and when they when they meet and and I the best part was when I when I uh, visited you uh, this summer and I went. Jess and both of them just went in the exact same tune. Yes, like, 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 <laughs> it was like in stereo. Well, I, I just I just told my Jess uh, this evening mm. that it is funny that we both have very close high school friends mm-hmm. of the same name. Yes, uh, when I was in high school, uh, friend Sean Cassidy, it's different spelling, but uh, we were the Shans. Mm-hmm. Now. You notice I say Sean like it's S H A A A A N. That's a little of my Dayton, Ohio mm-hmm. affect. Uh, but yeah, we were the Shans, and it was like somehow it was a badge of honor, and we thought it was cool. It's probably really corny to think about right now, but yeah. <laughs> so it's the Jesses and the Shans, and I don't talk to Sean much anymore. Jeez, I said it right there. I can't not say Sean uh, when I think about my name mm. or my namesakes uh, in Ohio. Like. Mm-hmm. Because when I present myself now, and what is your name? I will say Sean. Yes. I will make sure I say Sean. I live on the East Coast now. I've lived mm-hmm. on the East Coast for 
17 years, 17 plus years now, uh, I've gotten out of my affect as much as possible, my accent, if you will. But when I'm talking specifically about somebody named Sean in Ohio, I mm. say Sean naturally. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I get the same way when I have to talk to my other Eckersid counterpart, you know? <laughs> so good stuff, man. But you're also, as far as your, your, your switch situation or your lack of switch situation, it's mainly because you spend a good amount of time with that, uh, the shed that you were building. Yeah, as, as um, our mutual friend, Tom Carpenter, 0000. Yes. zero, zero, mm-hmm. zero, zero. Inside joke that you're probably just going to edit out because nobody cares about why well, I said 15 zeros at the end of his name. Um, maybe we'll get to that later. Uh, we'll probably get to that because it is kind of a little bit. You you help you helped me um, um, kind of uh, push me into podcasting a little more to kind of like get my shit. And we'll, we could probably talk about yeah, that a little later. Yeah. But organically, mm-hmm. I don't think it was. But the the, hey, the original thing, the original thing yes. is that you're you're giddy. Because uh, you, you had um, a nice little event happen for you due to your uh, sports fandom. Yeah. Look, there, mm. there are definitely more important things in my life um, these days. In the last decade uh, since meeting Jess One, uh, my life has definitely uh, changed for the better as it pertains to being a fan of any particular team. Mm-hmm. But my number one sports love is still the Dayton Flyer basketball team, men's basketball team. Mm. And uh, last night was the opener, and uh, yeah, we won. So, on a buzzer beater. After thinking we lost, so, happy. But I was completely satisfied with the potential yes, loss. Were. I was completely content with the potential loss. But This is the opener, right? As we were discussing, one out of 30-something games. 30 to 35, 30 to 35, depending on how you do in your conference tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you lose early in your conference tournament, clearly the, the set number of games could be lower. Uh, but every team has a uh, maximum allowed games of regular season games, not including your conference tournament. So uh, <laughs> uh, winning one out of 30, low 30 numbers mm-hmm. is a pretty big, pretty important step towards making an NCAA berth, especially a, a mid-major type program like the Dayton Flyers. You don't get much wiggle room. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's kind of boring talk, if you ask me. No, it's all right. It's not that boring when when I was was was, was going, hey, 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 check, check this out. The Devils have won, what, four or five, six in a row. And you're like, how many games in that season? I'm oh, and like, I knew. And I'm just like, I knew the 80, answer. 82. I yeah, knew you just, you, want, you wanted, I wanted to you to say it. Look, <laughs> how I, early it is in I'm the season. I'm a big, uh, you know, or I was a previously big, um, I'm, I'm currently dormant, you know, mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns fan, been a Phoenix Suns fan since uh, really? 1990. Uh, because of the Dayton Flyers, um, I was what four, fifteen, sixteen years, sixteen years old, and not to get too, into it too much. But a lot of people ask me, "Why are you a Phoenix Suns fan?" Mm. Born and raised in Southwest Ohio, huge Cincinnati Bengals fan, huge mm. Cincinnati Reds fan. Dayton Flyers. My, I have my grandfather, my mother, my uncles went to University of Dayton. I went to the University of Dayton. Uh, but why the Phoenix Suns? We kind of got in, in, into this in, in, as far as the discussion of just like it's quick. how how it's does quick. It's how quick. does your sports team like when you grow up where like who do you choose and I remember you I remember you 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 were like <laughs> especially with me since I lived out here out east and it's like the Devils um, as far as my hockey team and then you have the Giants and you have some of the greatest New York teams Rangers Yankees Mets etc cetera, etc cetera. and then I said you know uh, I was a Devils fan I started out 93 94 back when obviously when they they, they had that heartbreaking loss to the you're Rangers. talking about me or you me 
And huh. then what mm. happened was that I, I, I said, how come not, not, uh, not a devil's fan? And then you were like, too early. Yeah. Too early. No, no, no. To, to, to layer some context yes. on that a little bit more. I was at the University of Dayton um, in uh, 92, 93, and that was right before they made their massive run. Mm. And my buddies and I had a Sega Genesis, and we somebody picked up NHL 93, which, if I understand correctly, <laughs> one of the greatest yes. uh, hockey or NHL slash hockey video games of all time. It just randomly, we had it. Mm-hmm. And we were all picking teams. Was that the one where Jeremy Moronik was OP? Jer- I'm pretty sure that Black it was Hawks? that one. Yes. Black Hawks, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, did, so I originally picked... All right, I didn't tell you this part. Mm. I originally picked Detroit. Detroit, they were ballers. They had Steve Eiserman and yes. Sergei Federoff. Federoff. Mm-hmm. And they were insane, insane offense. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know much about hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I followed every other major sport. Didn't know much about hockey, and I was like, let me pick a ringer so maybe I can beat my friends. Yes. And so I originally picked the, uh, rain, um, the uh, Red Wings. Yes. And I was doing just fine. I was scoring like crazy and this and that. And I was like, this is a little bit too easy, which Ooh. is a foreshadowing. Mm. So it's a little bit too easy. And I decided to pick a little bit more of a challenge, mm. but not too much of a challenge. I didn't grab mm. whoever the whoever the bad team was back then. Uh, I ended up going with the Devils. Okay. Be- solely. And yeah. this is such a, and I don't want to sound misogynistic thing to mm. say. It was solely based off the uniforms. I was like, "Oh, black and red. You got a little devil action going. It's it was it was cutting edge compared to the other. You know, I was like, this is, looks like a badass team. You know, uh-huh. their jersey. I knew nothing about the Devils. I knew mm-hmm. nothing about their history. I had never been to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Again, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I picked them up. And I bro, Door, I yes. believe, was a rookie mm-hmm. in ninety. The ninety three. I, I believe game. so as well too. All, the other, uh, you know, uh, informed hockey fans will correct yeah, us. Yeah, sure, I'm sure. Yep. But it was it was very early on in his career, uh, and honestly, I can't remember. If you start rattling off some of the names, it would spark it. I can't remember anybody else who's uh, on Stephane that Stephane Richet, McKay. Yes. Yes. Um, was because of the end, he was a defensive player. Not, uh, Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer. Yes. There Stevens, Niedermeyer, Danico. Stevens. Stevens. Scott Stevens. Stevens? Was my Scott favorite. Stevens? Yes. Scott See, Stevens. It's all coming back. It's uh-huh. all coming back. He was my boy. All right. All right. So, anyway, yes. So I pick up, I pick up this squad digitally. Mm-hmm. On, I'm sure a you know 24 inch you know tube you know TV, and I'm at, I'm at the University of Dayton. I'm with my buddies. Nobody's going to class. Mm-hmm. All we're doing is playing NHL '93 season mode, and I got really good. I learned <laughs> all about the lines. I customized my lines. I I learned the players. I learned hockey through that game, and I. Maybe or maybe not. I can't remember if I won a championship. We kept resetting the seasons. Most of the time what we would do, my buddies back then, is we'd get to the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. And then that was our championship. Which of our players made the All-Star team? Interesting. And that like, you know what? Let's reset the season. (laughs) So you can make the All-Star game. So uh, I I declared as a 19-year-old non-hockey fan, Mm -hmm. well, I'm 19. It's still early in my life. Um, I have no allegiance. I'm not selling out any Ohio team mm-hmm. at the time. Columbus Blue Jackets, right? They they weren't in existence. Mm-hmm. There, there was no hockey team in Ohio. I was like, you know what? I'm a Devils fan. 
and I'm going to ride or die with them, just just like I similarly did with the Suns uh, three years prior for a completely different reason. That's a that's a phrase uh, a lot of people probably aren't familiar with. Ride or die. <laughs> oh, come Here on. Here we go. What is this? Go like, on. What is this like? Rough Riders and DMX and <laughs> come on. So, <laughs> um, so I uh, I rolled with them, and that was the ninety. I started watching the ninety three season. This is before you know NHL packages. I catch a game here or there. Yes. I I'd, I'd open up you know the newspaper, check the line score, see how they did, and they were having a pretty good year. Uh, but ninety four hit. Mm-hmm. And I just started my first real job. I dropped out of college. I, was, I started the Dayton Daily News, where I would be for six years. Um, started as a manual laborer and you know left as a supervisor, et cetera, et cetera. The rest is history. But um, the newspapers are coming right off the presses. I'm seeing them, you know, as early as eleven fifteen p.m. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting fresh off the press before they even hit the public. And, I'm, nice. and the first thing I'm looking at is the Devils win. This is the '94 mm-hmm. season. And I'm telling people, because I'm trying to build up my own juice. I'm trying to build up my own authenticity as a fan. Look, <laughs> I'm invested in this team. Yes. Every time they were on TV, I'd watch the game. But other than that, you know, this is pre-internet. It's all about the newspaper and just following and following, watching Sports Center, things like that, getting to know the team. And they're having a monster year. Uh-oh. And then I don't, don't. Don't quote me. You probably even know better than I do how they Mm. did in the first two rounds. But what distinctly sticks out for me was the series with the Rangers. Of course. And and I think it's probably iconic for anybody on the East Coast now, Mm -hmm. uh, New York, New Jersey area. But for some kid in Southwest Ohio where none of my peers Mm -hmm. cared about the NHL. Not one. Yep. Not one was a random... You know, Chicago Blackhawks fan. Not mm-hmm. one. And I'm sitting there trying to muster up a conversation. Again, pre-internet. You know, there's no message boards. There's no, you know, Slack channel. There's no Facebook. Nothing to uh, even have a banter with. And I'm like, hey, uh, this is my squad. Look, they're doing well. And everybody's like, who cares? So uh, I'm fully invested. And I truly was. I felt it. I started to feel it. in my. I started to feel it in my stomach, just like I felt it with... You know, the Reds, uh, Cincinnati Reds, who I followed since uh, 1985 and who won the World Series in 90, mm-hmm. and the Bengals, who I followed since 1985 and who lost heartbreakingly in, you know, in Super Bowl 23 to the uh, 49ers. I was starting to feel that, feel that again. In fact, to take it a step further, without me even giving the background of the Phoenix Suns, just a year prior, in 1993, the 1993 season... Michael Jordan ripped the hearts out mm-hmm. of the Phoenix Suns. So I have investment in every major sport except hockey. And here comes this train. Here comes this, here comes this train. I'm like, I know this feeling. This is an amazing feeling again. And I'm I, I know every single team, you know, every player, every whatever. I know everything that's going on. And I'm now I'm able to watch on cable. They're they're showing every single game. I'm racing home from whatever I was doing. I'm watching every game, every single, you know. Skate uh, up the ice every every um, shift. Shift. I was trying to think of the. Yeah, this is how far I've been out of uh, <laughs> hockey since. Um, so it goes to Game Seven. <sighs> and I feel like if we were I'll, on terrestrial radio, if there was if there was if there was someone who I wanted to narrate it, I, I'd, I'd have you narrate it for me, Sean. Just because I've heard you narrate that that Dayton uh, uh, game that you saw with the up to the buzzer beater. You 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 go right ahead. I'm going to. Uh, go ahead. No, and, and look. Let me find something to numb the pain. <laughs> All right, may I ask you? You you're 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 younger than me. You're I don't I don't think I've ever asked you your age, but I'm guessing about six years younger than me. Probably something right. like that. 
Amazing. It's uh, it's tough to tell. All right. You know. All so. Right. All right. What, what's the phrase? There's black don't crack. What's the uh, Asian don't Asian? I mean, there's got to be some don't Asian. I don't know. There you go. Maybe. There it is. There I don't it is. know. We're getting super racist up here. Anyway. All right. So, <laughs> um, no. Look, don't ask me to quote you on or quote myself or quote that game. I, all I remember is I'm pretty sure it went to overtime. Double overtime. Double overtime. And I was at work uh-uh. because I worked third shift mm. and that game, I was watching the game at home. Mm. I had to be at work at 10 PM and it went into that hour and there was a bar downstairs uh, from the Dayton daily news in downtown Dayton, this shitty hole in the wall, grimy bar. And I ran downstairs at break uh, and to see the final goal. And in double overtime, we all know, look it up, the Rangers won, and mm-hmm. they went on to win, I believe, yes. the Stanley Cup. And uh, it was, who was the goalie? For the Rangers? Yes. Richter. Mike Richter. Mike Richter. It was, and it was Brodeur, right? This was Brodeur. This was year. Brodeur versus Richter, yep. And uh, I was able to go downstairs and see that goal. And if I'm not mistaken, it came from behind the net. Yeah, it was a wrap. Ah, that, it, it I'm was a cheap goal. I'm oh, telling you now. Yeah. That was that was 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming summer, right? June or May, yep. whenever that this happens. And um, I have never seen a highlight of that game since. But I just recalled as we're talking about it, it mm-hmm. was a wraparound behind the net mm-hmm. type of goal in double overtime. And I actually felt good because of the pain. I felt heartbreak. Yes. And I felt invested. Yes. And I felt all this torture. Look, this look, little did I know, or maybe I did know, that the next like ten years of the Cincinnati Bengals would be like the worst professional you know, <laughs> franchise in sports history, or whatever the case was during the nineties. Um, there was a lot of heartache to come, but I had experienced a lot of, of joy prior to that as mm. a as a youth, as a teenager, or whatever the case was. Okay. So I was like, Yeah, this is this is great. I love hockey. Yes. We lost and I love hockey. Good. And here comes the 1995 season. Yes. And if I'm not mistaken, they pretty much ran away with the, the league. It was it was a semi, well, there's a little controversy because it had had a, a bit of a lockout. So it was a shorter season. Okay. But yeah, the at, at, at the end of it, through the through the series that they had, it, it, it got a little hairy when they had to play against Philadelphia. But after that, they, were, they pretty much steamrolled the competition that year. 95. Yep. There was a lockout. 95, uh, 94, 95 season. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, MLB the same year had a shortened not, season because sure. of similar circumstances. I am not sure. But. Here's why I recall. I had just turned 21. I, uh, I was on a work trip to uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. To to work at a newspaper to help them out with something from my company, uh, I was clearly a some kind of uh, newspaper machinist savant at twenty one. I don't know what the hell was going on, but I was apparently really good at my job. And um, I went to Atlantic City. I remember that I went to Atlantic City for the first time. First time in New Jersey. First time illegally legally able to gamble uh, and drink and all that, <laughs> that good stuff. And we took a two hour trip to Atlantic City, but. Um, I remember distinctly that year and I was 21, my beloved Cincinnati Reds with a Barry Larkin in his prime went to, um, 
was in first place or second place. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a, and then the, the season ended or there was a big pause. I can't remember what it was, uh, but we had a monster team and I think Houston ended up winning the division and some, I can't remember one, but the point is that's interesting when you just said, it. I didn't re- remember that, mm. that the NHL had uh, some a sort bit of, of a, yeah, yeah, some type of dispute. Were, I believe it was I a, a, some type of lockout. Completely coincidence that they were aligned, but interesting. Mm. Sorry about the tangent. Um, but going back to the, the devils, the 95 season hits, Next thing I know, like blink of an eye from my perspective, again, no mass media, mm. nobody else cares, nobody else is talking about it. I'm looking at the box scores, I'm watching the occasional game. Next thing you know, they win the Stanley Cup. And I did not feel what I felt the, the previous year with the gut wrenching loss. I did not feel it. I don't know if that is a product of my upbringing and this underdog mentality and level it loop. came. I think you said it, it came a little too quick. Like th- that's you, the, 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 the build up, the struggle should have happened a, a, a little longer in, in, in your mind. Can you say Ray in star Wars? Mm. <laughs> I'm just saying we, we will, we will get into yeah. that. <laughs> let's just, let's make sure we get into that. Yeah. Here's, yes, here's yes, the anyway. reason, here's the reason why it, it was so glorious for, for me, because as you said, uh, about six years younger, this was already in like going from junior high into high school. I believe the Devils won either my freshman or my sophomore year of high school. They won so, what, 95, 97, 99? I think it was something no, like no, that. No, no, they they won the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. in, in, in 94, 95, I yes, believe. Yes. And then they did not make the playoffs the next year. So they, I, I they, kind of recall that. For I kind of recall that. And then they started coming back like 99, 2000. And then they. But the they won two more in the 90s. I think they won three in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. They. It's, it's, Let's it's, pull out the smartphones. Let's just no, I'm no, kidding. I know, I know, I'm kidding. But they won the three. Point, they the won least, three. They did win three. But the reason why I bring it up is uh, uh, why it was glorious for me is because four years in high school is a fucking lifetime. Well, well, so for one for one year. For one year, it was just like people just in my face. Let's go Rangers! Let's go Rangers! And it it was I had to go through a whole year, you know. And then for finally no for Islanders, the Devils, no Islanders fans. What's that? No, no Islanders. No, no, no Islanders no, fans. No Sabers. No. <laughs> it was it was it was just Devils, Rangers, Giants. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I just realized just now um, one of my one of my um, traits. Mm. When getting into a good conversation, yes, is to do the Sean Gordley walk off, and I mentally did the walk off just now, hmm. but I'm confined to. Your what do you mind. mean by a walk off? I, I I I do this thing where I kind of raise my hands hmm. in victory and oh. walk away from the table, and then spin around and walk back. It's something I do. Is that to like clear your head, or is that for no, like kind it, of put like the exclamation yes, points on it whatever point that you just made? I get made. super okay. amped, high or low, and. I do a walk off. I did a walk off the other day. <laughs> I did a walk off the other day, and I slipped on a napkin that I didn't see on the ground and busted my knee on the uh, the ground, and my knee still hurts. That was a week and a half ago. Um, so there, but I just mentally did a walk off, thinking about maybe what I was about to say, and I realized I'm confined to this chair. So no gordly walk off here. Mm-hmm. I, I also, it's, it's interesting, uh, as far as this whole talk of just sports and sports fandom, we just want to bring it back to Warren that there, how do I just sum it up? People do become fans. People do invest their time and, and it's, it's not to knock them down because obviously we are, are definitely into it. It's a great storyline. We love the storylines that come along with it. Um, there's fandom to it as, as you said, 
and 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 there's a heartbreak and it's and it's kind of like a lesson of like the more like heartbreak that you have to it it, it, it makes it bittersweet so when that so when that victory finally comes when your team hopefully yes. one day will gets it it's it's even even it's even more bitter uh, like like sweeter I'm the, the not, taste of I'm it. I'm not going to let you wrap this up uh, I'm sure, as no, smoothly as you're attempting to right now, which is very professional of you. Mm. I, I recognize it, this that. is not a wrap up. It's oh, just more so no, a callback to Warren. It is. It is. Yeah. And I want to continue down this path a little bit. And there's a couple topics here um, that I can I can branch off with what you just said. Um, one being uh, my rant on indoctrination. Indoctrinization, indoctrinization. Your what? Indoctr- My rant on indoctrinization. In, indoctrina- Am I saying the right word? I think it's indoctrination. Uh, indoctrination. I don't think there's a Z in there. I throw Z's in. I don't know why I was. It's all right. Jess and I have made up a couple of words too no, on this podcast. No, look, I look. So. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grammar freak, so <laughs> I, I pride myself on it, and that's why I questioned my own self mm. when I said it. Um, I, I liken. I think I've talked to you about this before. Mm. Sp- being a sports fan, being a father of a child, and passing on that fandom Absolutely. and how it's kind it's, of similar to religion and it is and, and later in life as somebody that has kids that are older mm-hmm. that have kids that are now adults um the kids that have only my entire life die hard followed the teams i've followed mm-hmm. without me i think impressing it upon them clearly there was a bias there mm-hmm. and an influence um i now think back like you know what we should give kids the opportunity to choose, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not at all no, no. looking at you and Warren and saying you would ever do that. That's what that's what my my dad but, did for me. He he never emphasized sports, so it was it was kind of like, all right, if my parents didn't push me into a sports, it's, it was my friends that eventually pushed me into but a sports. How into many? Sports for me. If you could just quantify hmm. how many hardcore fans of whatever team or teams go on indoctrinate their children into that team? Would you say? Is it seven out of ten? Is it two out of ten? This is one I will probably have to lean towards, like a six or a seven out of ten. Okay, it, 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 it's definitely more. It's definitely above average. Right, and 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 I'm not saying there's anything um, uh, nefarious about it. Mm-hmm. It's natural. You want to have a bond, especially if you talk about the tra- traditional father son relationship or whatever. Yep. And this is why I'm talking about it now. When you brought up Warren, um, and I fully trust. I'm, I'm exaggerating here the importance of this, uh, <laughs> that you will do what your father did yes. uh, with Warren. You, um, I'll give you the yes. specific story of why I'm not going to do anything for Warren as far as like sports indoctrination. It's more so, I remember um, I came, I was, I was in class one day, I think it was like second or third grade. And, and, and I remember my friend asking me, oh, uh, did you know that the Giants won last night? And and I had no idea about sports or, sure, or football. Sure, sure. And I go me either uh, at that age. And Me I either. said, uh, no. And then my fr- and not my friend, but the the kid goes, oh, what are you? You didn't see it? You're so stupid. You have uh, to you have to get into this. I honestly thought you were going to say, mm-hmm. considering the era and the climate of America, I do remember that in third grade. That's when shut up started being thrown around. Uh, like, anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. So I come home to my dad, mm. and, and and I go, Dad, I uh, um, some kid called me stupid today. He goes, Yeah, what happened? <laughs> so explain the story. And he and he basically just explained to me, you know, there's there's some people who will call you uh, uh, stupid for just I I don't think he said stupid reasons. Basically, what the lesson that that he laid down to me is that you know stick, you know, your job is for school. Stick to school. Don't worry about facts about sports. That's 
essentially what he was saying. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I never really had to like dive into sports until later on when I was like, you know what, this is this is actually a lot of fun. I want to learn more about it. So yeah, anyway. I was I was never pressured into being a fan of sports or being a fan of a certain team. But just like my kids did with me, mm-hmm. I did the same with my my uncles yeah. uh, and my grandfather. Whatever teams they liked, I ended up liking. Um, you know, my father wasn't a part, uh, a strong part of my life growing up. Uh, you know, as far as frequency, and quite frankly, he's not a huge sports fan. So I, that was a wash. It's not mm-hmm. like oh, I missed the opportunity to be, you know, a big fan of you know whatever my, bond with my dad over sports. Uh, and ironically enough, he's. Ironically, it's not even quite right the word. I would mm. almost say um, uh, bullet dodge perspective. He is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. <laughs> all right? I mean, that there's no team I hate more in all of you know humanity more than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's a Steelers fan, but he's close he, enough to Philly fans. So, that, well, I mean, look, <laughs> he, he spent a, a large, uh, a, a significant part of his life in Western Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Western Philadelphia, geez, uh, Western uh, Pennsylvania, uh, living with his father for a few years. And so I get it. I'm not taking anything away from him claiming to be a uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Uh, but it's honestly something I found out later in life, like as I was an adult. I'm like, what? What do you mean you're a Steelers? I never even heard you talk about football, you know, the times mm-hmm. I visited you in Florida during the summer. Mm-hmm. But maybe it wasn't football season. I don't know. Uh, so I thought that that was an interesting uh, dodge. But no, I became a fan of uh, the same teams the people I admired were fans of. Yes. And I, yes. I, I admired and, quite frankly, worshipped uh, my Uncle Jeff, mm-hmm. um, who was 10 years older than me. And my Uncle Gerard was more of a peer to me. Mm. Uh, even though he was eight years older than me, I always felt like he was a, uh, a older brother, whereas I felt mm. like my Uncle Jeff was like, Kind of like my dad, and and they were both. How like, old were you then? About. Well, I mean, when Ballpark. that when when those feelings started, and I started to realize my relationship with them, mm-hmm. my uncles, my two uncles, the, the youngest of my uh, mom's siblings, uh, six. My uncle Jeff. Um, wow. My uncle Jeff took me to my grandmother's basement, where she still lives, where my mom still lives mm-hmm. in, in Dayton, in East Dayton, East Third Street. Um, took me to the coal bin of this house that was was built in the early 1900s. Took me downstairs to the scary coal bin where you had an external entrance to the basement. And I can go on to, we can have several podcasts about uh, going into that basement and having to take showers with roaches crawling on the walls. Because it was an old house. And wow. It was, it was almost at like six, too. At six. No, but, but he takes me to the basement. And it, you have the basement. And then the portion of the basement was the coal bin. Mm. And in the basement, when I'm six years old, this coal bin was spare bike parts. Ooh. And my mother had uh-huh. eight siblings. And they lived in that house their entire lives, and there are spare bike parts everywhere. And my Uncle Jeff basically built my first bike. I, I felt like we built wow. it together. I remember wow. going. I remember going to Kmart and picking up like a, Jeez, you know, an inner man. tube, things like that. And we built this bike from, you know, relative but, yeah, scratch. Yeah, yeah, You know, reclaimed parts. We built the first bike I ever sat on, and <sighs> went to the back alley. And while my dad's in Florida, you know, my dad left, uh, you know, three years prior and I'm six and my uncle Jeff is in the back alley 
He's pushing me down. My mom's not even around, by the way. My mother, his his older sister, is not even around. And by the uh, rickety basketball hoop in the back alley that he taught me how to play basketball as well, Jesus, he's pushing me down. Awesome. Yeah, he's pushing me oh down the alley, God. and I learned how to ride my first bike. Um, Your own custom-made bike my as own well, custom too. Bike. Jesus Again, Christ. at the time, I was like, I built this thing. I, look, looking back, I know I didn't build it. He built it. But he sat there with me as it was being built. He was... Uh, Hell, he's only sixteen. He felt like he was like twenty-five, you know, at the time. You, you know what? You know what? I, yeah. uh, Jess and I saw in the park last week when we were walking our dog. We saw a kid probably around what, what age you were talking about, like yeah. six or eight, yeah. with his own mini ATV. <laughs> and I looked at him with, with, I was like, "You mother!" And then, I, and then I, I was thinking, I'm like, "Where does that kid? Where do you go from there?" As far as a yeah. gift, yeah, come on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's a whole different tangent. It is a different tangent, but that's awesome. But to um, sum that whole thing up, mm-hmm. and, and probably to wrap up this entire you know sports conversation, is I saw the passion that Uncle Jeff and Uncle Gerard had towards the Cincinnati Reds, Cincinnati Bengals, mm. the Dayton Flyers, uh, who we talked about earlier. And it naturally became my teams, and I felt like it was life. I lived and died with every game, with every box score. I uh, kept newspaper clippings. I had you know posters on the walls, all that. And uh, that passion did stick. Uh, and it still sticks at some level now, um, years, many years later. Uh, but... Definitely when I was in my early 20s and, and my son was born when I was 22 years old and mm-hmm. he felt that and saw that. Uh, I never once said, you need to be a fan of this team, a fan of that team. But to think, growing up in Southwest Ohio, mm-hmm. moving to the D.C. metro area in 2000 with a four-year-old and a one-year-old and then sitting on the couch in, let's say, the heyday of the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash in the mid-2000s. And my kids at one point turned to me saying, Dad, thank you for making us Phoenix Suns fans. That seems like what? such that feels like such wow. feels like what? such a improbable path to uh-huh. that conversation. Like yeah. now they're happy to be Phoenix Suns and they're dedicated Phoenix Suns fans. They've never been to Arizona. Mm-hmm. They don't understand why I well they I late they later understood why I became a, a Phoenix Suns fan. It was short story, it ties back to a, a specific Dayton Flyers mm-hmm. player. So uh, to hear them say that was so surreal. Like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even a proud moment. It was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. We're on the East Coast. Yes, I grew up in the Midwest, and they're hardcore Suns fans. And thanking me for being a Phoenix Suns fan. It's just interesting roundabout way that how do you become a sports fan and what that means with your kids and and it's just crazy. So, but that's also a, a, a good um, representation of you, as you were saying that. Um, you admired your uncles growing up so much that you it, it it's yeah i remember when i was growing growing up that like you you would like almost idolize certain people oh. especially ones that were close to you and you and you want to you you wanted to almost like even like talk like them oh what do you what do you eat oh i, I want to like uh, i even like want to try and like walk the same way you do you love this team there must be something to that team then if you love it cuz i love you man there's, so i'm going to start loving that team there's actually beyond sports there is one peer that I felt that way about. And <laughs> talk about legacy, uh, without getting into all the details. Uh, I was you know, a raised Catholic, and those of you that uh, are familiar with Catholicism, you know, mm-hmm. in seventh or eighth grade, you go through confirmation, you pick in like an, basically an extra middle name, right? And there was this kid that was new to my school who was two years older than the rest of us because he had 
But he's got kicked out of every school in the area. <laughs> and his real name was James. He went by Steve. I have no idea where this guy is. I've looked, by the way, I've looked this up on Facebook and everything several times. I worshiped this guy. He was athletic. Mm. He was 15. I was 13. He was, I thought I was the star of the school athlete wise. He showed up and showed me up. All right. So he showed up <laughs> and showed me completely up. I was, took a backseat to his athleticism, his prowess. He like, he had a girlfriend. He would like smoke cigarettes and drink beer. And I'm like, what is going on? This is insane. And he was like a good dude. <laughs> he was a good dude in his heart. And we mm-hmm. spent a lot of time together because uh, two, de- two doors down from me, uh, this guy like, you know, watched him. This older guy watched him until his dad picked him up. But mm-hmm. the reason I say that, and I talk about legacy. I worshiped this guy. I was mm-hmm. 13. He was 15. His real name was James. Confirmation name time comes. And my name is Sean Allen Gordley. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what has a good ring to it? Sean Allen, James Gordley. Hmm. And that was my confirmation name. Is that, that that's a, as a non-Catholic, is that a big deal doing that? I don't know. I don't know if it's a huge deal. Mm. I don't know if it like it becomes like sainthood or you have to like put a picture up on your wall of the person you got the name from. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. I think confirmation's a big deal, but maybe the yeah. actual name is not a huge deal. Yeah. But I was proud to have Steve Doubt. His last name's Doubt. Okay. But Doubt with a D instead of a B. Okay. Interesting. I, I took his name. It also had a good ring to it. I thought Sean Allen James Gordley had a good ring to it. When my son was born, when I was 22 years old, mm. look at his birth certificate right now. Caleb Allen, James Gordley. Oh, look at that. And to go further with sports, one last thing. Maybe not the last. We'll see how far we can take it. In case people are just wondering, like, all right, dude, all right, uh, enough of the sports. Here's the thing. It's due to, as you can see, we're sharing a lot of stories with it. Uh, another story I'd like to share is about my dad and my uh, father-in-law back when they first ever met. Your so, dad and your father-in-law when they first yes. met. Okay. When they first met. Yes. Maybe because this was after like um, um, uh, Jess and I had been dating for a while. And uh, we're like, should we have dinner and have our parents meet? That it was. When you say a while, are we talking months? Are we talking A couple of years. Six, a couple what? of years already. Yeah. Years had gone by yeah. before the parents met. Before the. I would. It, it was almost like a year or, or okay. something. Because it was, it was getting serious at that point. It was kind of like, well, you know, we. It's it's almost silly at this point. I so. met my uh, Jess as well. See, I'm reluctant to say Jess for mm. the listeners, but because mm. your wife's name is Jess and she's clearly on this podcast, mm. um, Jess one, my wife. <laughs> I uh, love how you, you use the one. But go ahead. Yeah, it's still weird. Uh, thing get, one, get, thing get, two. It's uh-huh. so weird. Um, no, she. I met Ma, who's now my Ma, who I consider. A mother figure, my mm-hmm. own mother. I call her mom. I mean it. It's not just a uh, a nickname. You know, she li- she's she lives in my house. You know, more mm-hmm. than fifty percent of the time, and I love it. Um, I met her. Oh God, uh, one month after I met Jess, awesome. and we started spending significant time. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I visited or whatever. So it's just interesting the the um, the difference between how long it took you and Jess too. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as from uh, parents were concerned in the whole meeting compared to us. Every situation is totally different, but... I, I, I give myself uh, wiggle room. I could be off with the timeline. It could be a lot sooner. It wasn't one month from what yeah, I... It, it was like definitely that. not one month. <laughs> right. But in, in any case, so 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 when they when they met uh, or when they were going to meet, I, I think um, 
uh, Jess's dad, I, I was, ta- I, I had known him. He was a little concerned about like, oh, I'm not going to have anything in common to talk about uh, with uh, my dad because he, he just knew, you just knew, oh, he's, he's ex-dad. Wait, pause, like, pause, pause, yes. pause. Had you or Jess met the opposite parents prior to this moment. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the big reveal, the big, mm-hmm. okay. This is the first time the parents are meeting the parents. Yes. Ah, okay. All right. That's the difference. That's then. a movie, right? Meet the parents. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. there was no, there was no like, uh, you know, milking the cat's nipples or anything like that. Or I like, can milk your nipples. Yeah. There you go. Anyway. So, and I was actually slightly worried. I'm like, Oh, what if my, my dad doesn't have anything to talk about with him? I was, I still had a lot of confidence though in my dad because he's a New Yorker and like he, he just knows like when he gets into a social situation, he's usually like a private type of guy, but when he can, he can, he can turn it on. So the interesting thing was like, I don't know what he's going to do to like start talking to Tom. So prior to it, uh, um, my dad was like, so what's Tom into? And all I knew was that, well, he's a big Mets fan. He goes, Mets fan. Okay, cool. So by the time that they that they get there, hey, how you doing? And you know, my dad opens up and he sits down and he goes, "So Mets fan, huh?" He goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "Yeah, '86 Buckner, bup, 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 bup. And I had for and I had forgotten to mention to to Jess that my dad had been living in New York for a long time. Just to be prior. clear, just to yes. be clear, I, yes, I, I don't want to assume mm-hmm. they're both Mets fans. No, my dad's a <gasps> Yankees fan. I'm sorry. Did I mess up your story? Were you no, going? No, oh, okay, okay, no, okay, no, okay. No. I, 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 nope. I didn't know if I caught that. I was like, are they both Mets fans nope. or not? My dad's a new, okay. like a New York fan. Like he, he, he enjoyed when the Mets won. He liked because uh, everyone hated the Red Sox. You know. So if, if I'm, I'm just going to go ahead. Book, I'm going to bookmark this. Hmm. At the end of this story, if you can remember, hmm. come back to the '86 World Series. There may be Absolutely. something that I want to bring up. If you don't, it's fine. No. You could, as soon as it's done, absolutely bring up as, as much as you would like about that. I Obviously, I had no idea what was going on. I think I was still uh, into Ghostbusters. Anyway. Oh, so was I, and I was 12. Okay, <laughs> who wasn't into Ghostbusters? <laughs> so he's just rattling off all these stats, rattling off all these older, like, uh, Pitchers and, and and especially pitchers. My dad knew a lot of pitchers now, for time, whatever reason. W- yeah. Was that was this the Jose Reyes? Uh, yes. T- the, mm-hmm. When they met, I'm not mm-hmm. obviously not talking about '86 Mets. Yes. But this is like when Jose Reyes was running wild. Yes. Um, I think that was their best player by far at the time. One of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But this was post Subway Series, so they yes. were having their down Absolutely. years. But they got it. Got it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So he's he's just rattling this off, and and like Tom's like, oh yeah, oh, and then like like uh, Tom would then like say something, and then my dad was like, no, I think it was this guy, and he's like, oh yeah, you're you're, you're right, and and I just remember like uh, after. Like, Jess and I were, like, worried about, oh, are there going to be, like, two parking meters that came to life and, like, you know, uh, uh, and, like, didn't know, like, how to, like, interact with each other. I remember they, they kept going and kept going and kept going. And Tom, like, turns to me with, like, a smile, like, you, like, like, you didn't tell me he, uh, he, he knew this much about baseball. And from that moment on, I knew that they were going to be just fine. And it's all because of uh, sports fandom. So... So uh, was that something about the '86 World Series? Um, yeah, but even before that, I was I was thinking. Um, you 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 mentioned something. 
and and I'm just curious. I'm going to nitpick, mm. and I'm going to just dig into something that's uh, one of my life philosophies, Warren. If you're listening, um, when you said you were worried, were you? Is that the right? Is that the right emotion? I'm, I'm curious because let's say they didn't hit it off. How how much would that have impacted your relationship? No if, idea. That's something I I, I I I do not know. It's it's one of those where it's like we'd really like for them to get along. I've I mean I've seen uh, some of other couples with their uh, because we were we were getting to that age where like a lot of uh, some of our other friends were also like. Uh, getting engaged or some of them were even married at the time and some of them we saw where like oh yeah they they, they the, the the parents just hate each other and we kind of saw that and we're like you know i we can probably still you know pull it off but at the same time it would be so much easier if they just like got along and that's funny you said that um and i'll get right back to worry worrying for warren uh but uh i have two two failed marriages um that's all I plan on having as far as failed marriages. Um, <laughs> I don't think you plan on failing. <laughs> right. And that, well, I mean, it depends on the circumstance. Um, but my first two marriages, uh, I did and still do on some levels have uh, pretty good relationships with the family members. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's funny that you say that. Even though the marriage failed, uh, the, the, the inter-family you know, um, uh, family relationships mm-hmm. were uh, relatively strong and on some level still strong. So I found that interesting, but that not that that's a major point. I just thought it was a, a decent anecdote, but going back to Warren, uh, this is uncle Sean. Uh, I don't know if you ever call, ever call me uncle Sean. If you I'll make you, sure he calls you, though. you don't have to, you don't have to, <laughs> but uh, I often say worry is the most useless human emotion. It's the most useless human emotion. You have two options when it comes to any feelings that come that that relate to worry. Mm. You you either do something mm-hmm. or you forget it. Mm. And worry is in some other place other than those two options. Worry is is a, a completely useless. And what I mean, I give this example when I say this. You go to work. You go to school. You go to the playground, you go wherever. You, you, you have power over your house, you've locked the door, nobody's there. And you plant a seed in your own head that you didn't turn this gas stove off, for example. Mm-hmm. And you sit there, and you're at work, and you stew, and you fester, and you panic. <laughs> and you're like, did I... Leave the stove on. Is my house going? People are listening to this right now. Actually, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right I, I, I'm causing mass panic. I, I want to see. Let's look at. They Google. stopped mid workout. They've stopped mid drive. Let's pulled look, over. Let's oh, somehow. Shit. Let's somehow triangulate the 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 the, um, the publishing of this podcast and look at Google Analytics for. But what I'm saying is, I think everybody knows where I'm going with this. You either go home. And do something about it. Call a neighbor. Call a friend. Somebody might have your key. Whatever the case may be. Or you continue with your day and put it to rest. There is no other option. There is no other option. Worrying is only going to do bad. There is absolutely nothing that will come positive. There's no positive impact of worrying. Meaning I'm going to, I'm going to think about it and not do something. There is nothing possible that can come good of that. 
And I, it's one of my staples of my philosophy of life. True. Philosophy of life. Of course. Of yeah. course. But, but, I, but you say, of course. You say, of course. But how many people on the regular worry, 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 worry? Is there a difference, though, between worrying about something that you have absolutely no control over and they still worry? Which I, that's, the, that's the type where I would agree with you. Where Give it's me like, an example right now. Give me one example. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I can counter it within five seconds. That there was another emotion or action better than what you're going to tell me. Sure. Go for it. Um, let's see. Uh, when you worry that, oh, I did not uh, send an email or something. Or worry about this. Uh, like, I didn't write enough unit tests for uh, a specific. Well, that's what uh, Sonar Cube's for. You know, look, at your, look at your code coverage and see what the percentage is on your I know, but let's just say like, no. that, that you, you had forgotten. So then you could mm -hmm. do something about it. And you could like, do something write, about it. Write another right test. Exactly. So that's yeah. That's where no. worry helped. No worry. It wasn't. Didn't help. No, it wasn't that's, useless. That's in not that worry. case. Worry. What, was, what okay. was that then? Or okay. And and I, I will preface this with: is this is this coming down to a semantics thing of what, it, it, of no, what no, worries no. is? It, so. It's only semantic in in the from the perspective of mm. the examples I'm giving. I personally am calling worry that emotion. Okay. The 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 aspect of there is something that's happened or I think has happened mm. and I am not taking action and I'm still thinking about it and I'm letting it negatively impact my life. Many people do that. I personally call that worry. You yes. may call it something else. No, no, no. Or, I do call that worry too, but doesn't the worry eventually Oh, it's 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 almost like stress okay. or t or Fair being enough. tired. Like, right? If you're being tired and you yawn and you're tired, so what do you eventually do? That's not the same type of example. Okay, go and, on. And, and, and look, and I, and I appreciate no, no, you no, digging into on. it. I absolutely do. I am specifically talking about that time period hmm. where it's it the seeds have been planted in your mind, mm -hmm. and you don't do anything. Yeah. That time period. Agreed. That what I'm calling Agreed. for for, for the sake of argument, saying. Yeah. I'm saying I'm calling that worry. We can call it whatever. No, 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 we can no. call it. We can call it. You know, uh, no, I, pixie sticks. Whatever <laughs> you want to call it. That period. Many people. Yes. Okay. I'm not giving you a percentage. I'm mm -hmm. not saying these are good or bad people. I'm not pointing mm -hmm. out people in our lives that do this thing. That period of time is the most useless emotion. Agreed. Shit or get off the pot. That's it. Agreed. Forget about it. That if that if you stew or on something. it, too, as you said, you let it fester. Yes. and you like snap at your coworker, and you you forget to pick up the kids because you're worried uh, that the dog, you know, you know, they got out mm -hmm. in the back fence. Whatever the case may be, that is a not only a useless emotion; it's a, a de detrimental emotion. Well, again, that's I, I think it is semantics at that point because it's um, let's say there's a point. Uh, zero, right? The zero point where the, where the worry starts, and then there's an immediate point. So let's there's say a runway. One, I got you. Like like a one or a two, where like oh, I can definitely do this or this about it. Right. All right. All right. So and as soon as yes. that happens, those one or two is actually kind of useful. The 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 zero was actually useful because like oh oh crap, one and two is about to take place. Now if you do three, four, five, so it, so on and so forth. So yes, therefore yeah. it is total semantics. I'm not mm -hmm. talking about the uh, recognition agree, and build yes. towards importance. I'm mm -hmm. not talking about that time period mm -hmm. again. Uh, uh, generically speaking, we may call that a portion of worry. Yeah. I'm specifically, you know, talking about the part where you go oh. Seed is planted. Oh, 
it's starting to set in what the what the yeah. consequences of said seed is. Oh, I'm sitting here still not doing anything about it, and then th- yeah. the period after that, yeah. and how, if if it extends, that is so. And that is what I agree with. Where I say that at that point, um, it's it's something you you quote can't do something about. It. You have the idea of that you are going to be doing something about it. So you got to let it, you got, okay, perfect example, perfect example. And then there's also that there's another type of worry where where I definitely agree with you that it is, uh, quote, useless, where you really just can't do anything about it. An example is, uh, let's say you uh, were talking to someone at a party and you may have let something slip that. Just offended them in, in, in some way. I don't know. You bash We've a sports team. We've all and, done it. Exactly. And then you come back and you're like, oh, man, I really hope I didn't offend him or her. But then it's kind of like, obviously, you have no control over their emotion. So, you know? So it's like, you have you, to, you, you gotta that, let that go. You have to let it go. You have to let that go because there's absolutely no control. No, you, have, you have two options. Yeah. You have two logical, emotional, mm-hmm. responsible options in that exact example. Mm-hmm. You let it completely go, yep. and you roll with the dice. One mm-hmm. or saving brutally on- <laughs> uh, <laughs> inside piece of balls joke. All right, or you bru- you brutally, painfully mm-hmm. bring it up to that person. Yeah, you, those are your two options. Yeah, but the whole time you're just worried, right, right, and right. and at the same time it's even more. I think about you bring it up and because, you didn't do yeah. that, and then you open up a different can of worms. Yep. And it's uh. and it's and it's more worried <laughs> just because it's 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 something where even if you do do the right thing and you and let's say you apologize and you uh, uh, fess up to it and you own to it and you own up to it, they could still say fuck you, you know. Yeah, and so be it. Yep, so be it. But as far as I like that though, as far as going going into the semantics of it, as far as worry, because I think I'm losing track here. <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. All of, right. of well, where why do you think about that? Go. Real quick, Game Seven, 1986. I'm 12 years old. Mm. I met Saint Elizabeth's Hospital in downtown Dayton, and my mother's father, Walter Klepas, the progenitor to the University of Dayton. Uh, I think he graduated, got his bachelor's in 1936 or something like that. He uh, he died. He was uh, terminally ill, cancer. I can't. I, I'm not sure what cancer he had. Uh, I'm sure I can easily ask one of my uh, aunts or uncles. Uh, but he uh, died within, I'm pretty sure, hours, at least from my 12-year-old memory, mm. of Bill Buckner letting the ball go through his legs. And the reason I distinctly remember letting, that's not the right phrase. Unfortunately for Boston fans and Bill Buckner, the ball went between his legs. Um, I was watching the game in one of the lobbies at the hospital. The entire mm-hmm. family was there. Mm-hmm. We knew my grandfather was about to die. And uh, and this is not a admission of guilt. I was a 12-year-old kid. You know, mm-hmm. you know uh, I was watching that game. And, and it's funny talking about being a fan. It was before I had staked my claim as a hardcore Reds fan. Mm-hmm. I was rooting for the Red Sox as if maybe I'm a Red Sox fan. That's, that's an interesting way to bring it all back to our earlier conversation. I do that sometimes. Yeah, I was, I, yeah. I'll play devil's advocate or I'll, or I'll like, you know, I got no stake in this. Let me, uh, any, 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 all right, let's go, guys. Come on. <laughs> and, you know, and you know what? You know what? That Buckner thing, you know, it's happened, and the more sports that happen, the more sample sizes there are, the more Ooh. scapegoats there are. Ooh. It's not. 
I like I like where deal. I understand. It's that. They, we make this out to be this monumental flub in in the history of sports, and you know, on some levels, yes, it was. But you know what? Balls the, kick the the flubs that have happened since. Jeez. But balls kick mm-hmm. off dirt, but, yep. but people, you know, uh, take their eye off the ball. Happens all the time. You know, he just happened to be, you know, wrong place, wrong time, wrong moment, wrong everything. Yep. And, you know, uh, what's your and boy this, from the Bills that missed the field goal and against the Giants? You're a Giants fan. Yes. What's his name? Uh, uh, Norwood. What was me? What was me? Why me? Why me? Yep. Uh, you know, missed the field goal. And I remember feeling that. I remember feeling that. For many years, like, wow, he missed that kick in that moment. Now you look back and you go, you know what? How about Bro Doer? Kickers miss kicks all the time in key moments. But at the time, and I don't know if it was the emphasis of uh, of media or whatever it can, or whatever it may be, it felt so big. And if you look back on it now, and people may still go, Norwood, can't believe you missed that kick. He's such an asshole. I'm a Bills fan. We could have won one of the four we went to out of five years. Um, you know, it's like really people miss field goals all the time, and in in big moments. Big, big, big. People have done worse since. It, it, it in hurts big, in the present. Moments. It hurts in the present. No, I'm telling you now. If yeah. you sampled the average sports fan and mm. you said, "What is name the uh, biggest like flop or the biggest you know uh, 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 failed moment in mm-hmm. NFL history?" They may, they're probably gonna. A lot of them are gonna say Scott Norwood. Mm. And I, I think that thing, and when it happened, and when media, uh, where it was, and where the NFL was, and the number of teams, and the Super Bowl era, and this and that, I think that moment has become so iconic, um, and it not necessarily should be, given what's happened since. I find that fascinating. I find that also fascinating. These, the lists, Bill have to be, these lists have to be updated yes, eventually. Yes, yeah. but they don't. They don't get updated. It seems. It seems. It seems they don't. They go Bill Buckner, what do you th- well, Scott Norwood. Well, well, what do you think are, are greater flops since? That's a good question. Yeah. You need, you need something Why'd you like say Brodor? Because it's something you know I don't know. Um, um, Did when, he do when, something? No, no, no. When you said like big, big sports moments where it just came down to this like one thing. And I was saying that Brodeur, uh, he could have possibly, if he just kept the pad down a little Harder, he would have stopped the the Matteo goal. You know what I mean? I mean, look look at football. So, look at football. Look at look at look at um, look at the tuck roll. Look at mm-hmm. unfortunate moments. With was that a player uh, moment? Was that a uh, a lack of a rule moment? Was that a was that a um, a, uh, a referee judgment moment? Mm. You know, t- tuck roll. You could compare to that. Um, where the was that their first Super Bowl? I think it was. Anyway, the Patriots and blah blah blah. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about winners. <laughs> Um, you just this is key moments where people. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 Cleveland, uh, uh, blowing it to the to the uh, Cubs in yes. the 2016 series. Um, but that know. wasn't a mo. It wasn't like one iconic moment. It was like a full. And one could also uh, go back to 2004 Yankees when they when they blew the three nothing oh, lead yeah, true, against, true, true. against enough, the Red Sox. So it, I guess in the context of a series that shouldn't count. From mm-hmm. this conversation, uh, but it I can, am thinking it can, it can definitely the, the Cleveland and the and the Yankees will definitely be on the top of the list of monumental you know seven game collapses. Mitch, Mitch Williams giving up the home run to mm-hmm. Joe Carter, but then again, you could just say that's man versus man, and he and he mm-hmm. beat him. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. It wasn't a a, a faux pas. It wasn't a you know a, an error. It's 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 something to be said of uh, of what's essentially what do they call it? It's it's a chip shot. It's like 
this it's a layup yeah yeah you know fair enough and it's supposed to be one of those things where it's a layup but in the most intense high pressure sports situations Uh, and it's funny you brought up the uh the cleveland uh chicago (laughs) the cleveland chicago uh world series where the cubs were up and i forgot no wait up in a game or at at the very end of the game they in game seven? In in the game seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were they were trying to seal it, right? And Cleveland tied it? And 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 no, I, I think they were ah, I think gosh. they were ahead and they just needed like uh three more outs mm-hmm. and they wouldn't want and they bought and they brought in this twenty year old kid or a twenty one year old kid. And I remember it was already like two outs away or, or one out away. I, I forgot what it was, but he had two strikes on the guy and then it went eventually went to full count. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there wringing my hands, and, and Jess was like, what, what's wrong? He goes, just imagine right. the pressure right. on oh, yeah. this kid. Oh. 20 years old, not even, I full think... count, and he has the chance to, you know what I mean? Eventually, they took him out. You, no, but no, and, I, and, and my mind I just... I think he wa- got one or two outs. My I forgot mind, what it was. My mind just wandered, and I know we're hitting a lot of points in, in sports today, but I think... It just wandered into this moment, which I don't know if I ever really thought about. There are two pressure-packed moments in all of sports where that thing happens in it. it well, three, 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 three. Go three, for it. Three. One we already talked about, the game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. It, and it's binary. Mm-hmm. You make it or you miss it. Yep. Ball game. Yep. The last shot of a basketball game. Specifically, if you want to go into a layup mm-hmm. or a chip shot. You're at the free throw line to win the game. Yes. And think about that yes. pressure because, yes. duh, mm-hmm. you're supposed to make it. Mm. And then third is the other point you were making, and that's a, a, a closer in a baseball game. Mm-hmm. And you're closing it out. And let's say, and you see this a lot with closers, even elite closers, uh, Mario Rivera, et cetera. The, the, the closer. If you're a I, big, and it's, it's almost seems harder to get that last out, but whatever. The, the closer doesn't have as much uh, pr- in my opinion, it doesn't have that monumental feel to it as opposed to a free throw because a closer, it's it's man versus man, as you said. It's like another batter. It's not going to be a layup. It's not like you just have to throw it and, and, and there's no one at the plate. I got you. You're right. You're right. That moment, though, of a free throw, and you know <sighs> that it's like it's the, it's the last, you know, bucket. But you know what sucks no, about that? What, you know what sucks, sucks about that? You know what sucks about that from a fan perspective? It comes down to free throws. I don't I, – I can't I can't recall – a game seven championship game. Yeah. It probably has never been one. The more mm. I think about it, where it came down to a free throw. Yep. I think maybe in recent years in college, um, I, w- I want to say the Derrick Rose, um, not Derrick Rose. This but is your that, territory, man. It was that same year. It was uh, Memphis and I want to say Connecticut. I can't remember who. who mm-hmm. Memphis, they went into overtime. Mm-hmm. It was either Memphis, Arizona, or Memphis, Connecticut, whatever it was. Uh, I think somebody had to hit clutch free throws to go to overtime, and they ended up winning the, the championship mm-hmm. uh, in the final, final, final game. And that's, that, that, that is one of the ones where uh, I, I could recall a, a free throw. But not. I guess not. I guess it really hasn't happened <laughs> in the NBA. Eh, whatever. I finally realized what, what the, the worry thing was. I, I realized... I wanted to mention you. Did, did you find it funny? I thought it was funny. The examples I provided, we were like, give me an example. Something, something we're worried. And it, and it all had to do with coding. <laughs> it all had to do with our jobs. That's like funny. any 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 other thing we could have done with, with worry, like a really I, good uh, real world example. And, and then mine was like, what was it? Oh, code coverage and unit tests. Well, well not only that, <laughs> not only that to get a little bit in, inside of my mind, mm. my, my MO 
is I know that about you, and mm. I and I took it to the next level, and yes. I brought up some esoteric code coverage, Absolutely. And, yes, and, and and it was my my opportunity to show you I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> it was funny because you looked at me, you're like, "What's on our cube?" Like, "Oh shit, that was a whiff." <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think it's really cool that we're we're. And and this is the thing with, with sports porn, as, as you're hearing that it it you you watch it and you can see like the story these stories play out in front of you, especially ones where as 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 you said it it, it comes down to just a moment, and it comes down to like you know a 21 year old kid millions watching 20 years old actually I think I forget it's so young millions watching that the next throw the next pitch he throws could give the Chicago Cubs their first right. uh, World Series win in, in God knows how long. And I'm going to pivot off of this with there's uh, sports stories that write themselves out in the in these athletic competitions. And then your recent foray, maybe not recent now, it's been about two years or, or 2.5 years into professional wrestling where you actually got to follow storylines of not exactly you know the the quote real athletic competition and you really got caught up in it and i remember it culminated we were able to go to an nxt takeover and the first one ever in brooklyn and I, i i recall you saying that this was just as good, if not no, better. It, 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 and that was 2015, correct? I, I believe so. August 2015. Yes. Barclay Center mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. And I was one of, I don't know, how many people do you know? And, and, and you're, 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 you're on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've recently stated that pro wrestling is your, um, your, your number one, uh, athletic, um, you know, competition, so to speak, um, passion more so than even hockey, right? I, yes. I believe you said that. Yes. And it so, is. so what I'm what, the reason I said that is because you're really in tune with that world mm-hmm. more so than I'm. How many people do you know that became a pro wrestling fan as a 40 year old adult in 2014? I mean, that's what I did. That it, it's weird. It, 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 there was a, there was a number of circumstances that led to that having to do with my kids specifically, but uh. But to be able to share that moment with you in 2015, which ended up being maybe almost exactly a year after I started watching, you know, and I binge watched that NXT season and that storyline of Bailey and Sasha, Mm -hmm. and even on a lower level, you know, Finn Balor and 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 Kevin Owens. But But it really was Sasha Banks and Bailey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I would openly say, you know, Sasha Banks is my favorite wrestler. Mm -hmm. And uh, coming from, again, somebody that was a. Somebody that was rapidly consuming wrestling, and God, I have a tangent to go on with with media. Go for it. But let me wrap this. <laughs> I do have a big. T- I just talked about uh, to this about my wife. I talked about this to my wife um, regarding consuming media and generations, and I'll get to that point. Um, I was I was re- I was reading everything on message boards for that those twelve months leading up to that. I was listening to multiple podcasts i could tell i was watching i was watching every episode of raw every episode of smackdown oh jeez! every episode of nxt i was watching everything on the wd eh, wwe network i was and it wasn't that i was considering myself a super fan it became something that was an interest to me 
And the only way I was going to fully appreciate it is if I knew its entire history mm-hmm. as best I could. And I had to completely immerse myself into it. And magically, magically, and I no way I could have possibly predicted it or even appreciated it as much as I did at the time when I, as I do now when I reflect back on it, that it culminated with NXT Brooklyn one and, you know, in August of 2015, I'm like, uh, and how it played itself out. And it, it really was the greatest live event. When I say live event, mm-hmm. I'm talking, go to a, a college basketball game, go to an NFL game, baseball game, whatever it was the, uh, or even a concert with, with, uh, you know, I, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen the Eagles in concert. I've seen, you know, Motley Crue. I've seen all the, uh, Erica Badu front row. It was the greatest live moment of my life. And it still is, you know? Um, and it was this thing that was, you know, predetermined as we know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was the, it was the B league, so to speak of the W WWE. It was not the main people. It was not mm-hmm. the, you know, the platform to which, you know, uh, um, you know, the rock and stone cold and Hulk Hogan were on. It was this, this, this farm league developmental that, developmental. And I remember buying tickets for us. Um, oh, I remember that too. I, and was, they, I was so ecstatic when I re- you got it for us. I remember buying tickets and I borrowed a co-worker's Amex. I do remember that because too. Because <laughs> to get the good seats, you had to get the pre- It was like a pre-sale, the pre-sale Amex. Was, you ha- I didn't have an Amex. I had to borrow. Like, And this guy worked for me. But that I remember I remember reading about this leading up, the weeks leading up to it. They're like, you know, they're opening up Barclays. It's going to be, you know, they predict 5,000 fans. Mm-hmm. Ooh, they, it may be 7,500. It may be 10,000. And it'd be in, you know... Whatever the numbers were, I've heard eleven, I've heard thirteen thousand. It was a full house, basically, yes. in the Barclays Center. Uh, you know, the, basically the same number that showed up at SummerSlam the next day, and uh, and, and the way that match with Bailey and Sasha uh, ended, and the ups and downs, and the uh, uh, they weren't even uh, the, the main psychology. event. They, they weren't were even the main, main event. They were second to last. Uh, how exhausted were you? I look. There were people next to me. To my left, that I have never seen before, that I'm throwing high fives to and jumping yes. up and down almost in tears during that match. And my person didn't win. My person lost. And I couldn't have been cheering any louder. And my quote-unquote favorite person that I was rooting for lost, which is you know so far against anything that would ever happen if I'm watching a Dayton Flyers game or a Cincinnati Bengals game, right? That's the, that's the beauty of pro wrestling. You can appreciate it even when your team, so to speak, or your person doesn't win. You can still appreciate the beauty and get caught up in the emotions, and that's what we did. And, I mean, that... Yeah, it. I, I can't explain it. As I'm looking at your, you know, your your Becky Lynch goggles and your, you know, WWE uh, championship belt over here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So that was that was a great moment, and obviously I got to experience it with you. And funny enough, you were dressed as Bailey, I was dressed as Sasha, yes. so to speak. Not to a T. <laughs> I wasn't wearing the booty shorts and all that, and, and you know, but we were, we were supporting our we were supporting our respective people, yeah, and, our, our teams, and there was zero animosity as fans of those <laughs> respective women. But yep. um no, nah, so that that that's what that's what wrestling was to me during during that particular twelve months. And um, it was a good break away from the heartache of regular sports. You know, there's 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 very little uh in my experience, in my short experience uh being a, a, a pro wrestling fan, um um the very little heartache, you know, mm-hmm. yes, I get better when, you know, super Cena wins over and over and over again. Mm. Um, uh, or Roman Reigns gets pushed all the cliche, you know, gripes that the, you know, the smarts do. Um, 
But in the end, yes, you can sit back and enjoy it. It's you, you, you said to me the other day. You said, um, "What did you say to me?" You said something about competition. Ah, suspending disbelief. Yes. We were talking about movies. We were talking about TV. I was talking about my disdain of, of over, superheroes. oversaturation of, of superheroes, superhero mainstreaming of mm-hmm. superheroes. And you said, but you do it with pro wrestling. And my response <laughs> was simple. I'm like, they're acting. It's predetermined. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't get caught up in why did this person win? Why did this person lose anymore? I just appreciate it. And mm-hmm. um, th- that's where pro wrestling gets it right. Obviously, it gets it wrong in a lot of other areas. Yes. But, um, so anyway, I don't, want, I don't listen to any more pro wrestling podcasts. And that goes back to the whole theme of there's too much media consumed, which, which, to take it back again, another 10 or 15 minutes ago, I was talking to my wife. Think about this. And now this is where it's really apropos to Warren. This is something that my kids go through, whether they realize it or not. It's something Warren's going to go through. And you talk about media, and you talk about the history of media, and you, media, and you talk about the importance of uh, uh, sports history, You talk if, if you consider that important to you, and the importance of pop culture, and movies, and music, and TV, and books. Think about it. You think about television, which in its modern era started... What really in the fifties? I'd yep. say. I mean, there was probably some other, maybe yeah. So fifties, you know, I love Lucy, uh, Honeymooners, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call it, Bonanza, whatever you want to call the beginning of TV history. So you have a good uh, seven decades of that. You have a movie history which started in the twenties. You know, talking about Metropolis and all these other silent movies, Charlie Chaplin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have this history of this. You have the history of music, and then you could take that a number of ways. You could talk about uh, re-recordings of Beethoven. Uh, you could talk about uh, Robert Johnson and blues. You could talk about uh bebop jazz you can talk about all these things uh and into rock and roll and then hip-hop and heavy metal and all the you have all these decades if not centuries of history right and if you're me born in 1974 and i start to consume media and uh let's say starting about 1980 as a six-year-old i have to go back Depending on the, the the range of media, I got to go back three, four decades, maybe five decades, six decades. And while I'm going back and I'm absorbing all the stuff, all the good stuff, all the history, maybe even the bad stuff, new stuff is coming out repeatedly. And then I'm I'm catching up with the past as I'm staying up with, with the present. And then I have kids. Caleb was born in 96. Eden was born in 99. They now have... Six, seven decades to catch up on while new media is coming out. New books are being written. New TV shows are being developed. All these things. And then their generation. How are all of these subsequent generations ever, ever going to fully consume? And I'm not saying they have to. But how are they possibly going to have the perspective of, let's say, somebody that was born in the 70s? Where it's relatively... It's relatively um, easy slash possible to catch up on everything and then stay up with what's coming out new. It's going to be a time where it's impossible. It's going to be impossible where there are going to be these large gaps where you're going to be like, who are the Beatles? You know, a future generation. Okay, fine. I've heard of the Beatles. Maybe I heard of the Beatles, but I don't have time to go listen to that. Yeah, maybe I heard Hey Jude one time. I haven't heard it enough to appreciate it. 
You know, how, how could I possibly listen to Hey Jude four or five, six times to really understand it and really appreciate it um, while, you know, so-and-so is just coming out with a new album and maybe I like them uh, and maybe I want to maybe dig into, um, you know, grunge music in the 90s. I mean, I even missed out on grunge mu- uh, music in the 90s uh, and then subsequently came back to it and caught up, but I still haven't fully caught up on the 90s. And again, somebody that was born in 1974. Um have you thought about that? And how is and how is that going to impact Warren? And does it even matter? Does it even matter? I don't know if it matters. It kind of matters to me, but maybe I'm biased because I was able to almost fully catch up on everything available and still stay up with what's happening now. So what are your thoughts on that? I'll answer your question with another question as you take a, a, a sip there. So uh, how'd you feel when Metallica was considered classic rock now? It's just, it's just talk. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's subjective. Mm-hmm. It really is. It doesn't bother me one bit. I'm Metallica was a, a, a relatively big part of my childhood. I grew up in a you know all white poor neighborhood. I I started um, my first exposure to music was really I'd say eighty two, eighty three, eighty four. My uncle Gerard, who I mentioned earlier, he um he gave me his old Walkman. And he gave me, I remember two cassette tapes. I remember Quiet Riot's first album, mm-hmm. or tape, as we called it, and um, Def Leppard, Pyromania. <laughs> so my first exposure to music was a um, glam rock, uh, you know, early 80s. Maybe it's heavy metal, maybe it's not. Um, and then 84, which is what I call one of the greatest mainstream years of music history when you had the height of Prince, Madonna, Michael Jackson, um, Culture Club, um, you know, um, Van Halen. You had you had this epic, epic, you know, year of music. Even someone like Lana Ritchie, you know, who's contemporary, but he had a, a, a pop album that was epic. Duran Duran, one of my favorite bands ever. So you, you have you had this going on uh, right after I was introduced to music, um, and then I was big into um, uh, glam rock. I didn't know it was glam rock at the time. I thought it was just heavy metal, but it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I love Rat. You know, Rat, first concert I've ever been to in 19, 1989. And, I want to uh, see pictures. Uh, I don't, Especially I don't with have the hair. I had a mullet. Awesome. Absolutely had a mullet. Um, I've seen, I, and I've seen Rat in my adult life too, by the way. Uh, uh, but, you know, Motley Crue, um, mm-hmm. I, started, I started to delve into, to get back to my point uh, about consuming uh, previous music, I, I, I went hardcore into Led Zeppelin. Mm. Um and uh, you know my dad my dad i remember in 1987 or 8 for christmas he came up from florida and he in cassette tape form i remember in a in a in a rat package led zeppelin 1 2 3 4 and houses of the holy mm. their first five albums i remember that and um uh, so I, w- I started to get into this like glam rock bluesy thing, which was again talking about foreshadowing. It was a foreshadowing to what uh, I ultimately really love now, which is a lot of bebop blues, you know, Amy Winehouse. Anything blues oriented is, is really mm-hmm. in my wheelhouse. I do consume a lot of music, even modern music, but at the time it was it became the foundation for what I loved in music. And uh, uh, and then Guns N' Roses came and blue blue, you know my head away in 1987 
But when you say Metallica, I was first exposed to Metallica in 1987. And I, just like with wrestling, just hmm. like with other things in my life, I went back on the catalog. And I, yep. went, and I went in reverse. I went, it's 1987. Um 1987, 88. Here comes um, yeah, Injustice for All. all. Uh, here comes their first video, one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was obsessed with that album and that sound and the, the rawness and the uh, the emotion and the, oh, this is cool. This isn't, you know, mainstream, you know, that sort of thing, which gets to your point, your, your original question. But I then went backwards. I mm-hmm. went backwards really fast. I went... Mm-hmm. Uh, Master Puppets. I went to uh, Garage Days, uh, Ride the Lightning. Uh, I'm skipping one. Did I skip one in between there? No, right. almost to the beginning. And then Kill Them All. Well, yeah. I, but did I, I felt like I skipped one. Maybe I didn't. Um, so I went back, and 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 by the time I got to Kill Them All, I was like, holy shit, this might be the best album. You know, it's like as polished as, you know, uh, I would say Master of Puppets was at the time. Out of those I just listed, it's probably the most polished. Injustice for those, All. yes. Well, because Injustice for All, they 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 screwed Jason Newstead. Yep. Uh, the, the bass was turned way down in the yep. mix. Um, when you really listen to it now, it's like, hey, look, my by the way, my favorite song on that album? Injustice no. for All? Yes. No, 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 I'm asking yes, you. Yes, 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 on Injustice for All. Is. Today, it's... Uh, don't quote me on this. It's funny that I should say I can't think of it. Is it Dyer's Eve? The last track the on the last album? Song. Yes, it's Dyer's Eve. It, 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 hit, it hit home. I'm not going to go into it, but those lyrics really hit home with me. That's that's uh, Dear Justin, Mother, that's Dear just, Father. That's Justin and I's Traffic Jam song. Hmm? When we go get ahead. stuck in a traffic jam. Ah, Justin and I, you said. We, okay. we, we, uh, we, we roll down the windows and blast Dyer's nice. Eve as loud as we can. And, I, and, I, and she plays air drums and I play air guitar. Look, look. So. Hey. My my favorite song on my favorite song on That's in a traffic jam. Yeah, I feel you on that. My favorite song on um Appetite for Destruction, Guns mm. N' Roses, which I can say one hundred percent in music is subjective. And Justice for All. Injustice for All. Appetite for Appetite for Destruction is the greatest album in music history, mm-hmm. any genre. Okay. Very nice. That's just obviously subjective, my opinion. Um and this is somebody now that listens to hip hop probably ninety percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Me now, and through the eighties and everything. Ninety, I'm sorry, nineties. I nothing but hip hop. I still go back and say, and just, um, I keep saying it's just raw. I guess you you we started on it. The, yeah, you were on it. Uh, Appetite for Destruction is amazing. And but my favorite song on that album, which is akin to the comment I just made about Dyer's Eve, is Rocket Queen, mm-hmm. which is the last song on the album. And I think Orion is my favorite song. Uh, what is it with me you know, on Master Puppets? I don't know. There's something about... I, I think I'm, I'm very cynical in counterculture. I think there's a lot of that uh, that goes into it. But yeah. Um, Metallica. So your original question was... What How did you, you feel when they uh, came to classic rock? I don't care. It's, I don't it's, care one bit. Who cares? Who cares what people say? You do You do uh, raise an interesting question. Is it possible to consume all, all the media, especially all the songs that have been coming out since then? And obviously the answer is no. Um, un- until, well, actually not, no, uh, when we, when we become more cybernetic and then the, the matrix, uh, yeah. And then we get the chip in our head the and then, then we could, yeah. And then just obviously yeah, you're just, doing a Delta, you, you're doing a Delta of media mm-hmm. in in some sort of, you know, um, you know, data dump, and data migration a cable into our head and just, it's, it, it's, you know, right what? Into our heads. And you know, what's interesting about that? Mm. You, you bringing that up is that, is that 
I wouldn't doubt if it bisects at that moment, hmm. almost at the point where you can't possibly consume all media. And then is when uh, the I, and I, maybe you call that serendipity, maybe you call that um, self fulfilling prophecy, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. It would be interesting if that was the moment yep. where, and maybe it, it will even cause the the movement. Like, hey, there's all this stuff that is important or perceived as important. We need this technology. Maybe that's yes. what it could become. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so maybe maybe I'm completely wrong, and maybe Warren will be fine, and he'll be able, you know, to <laughs> you know to to, to I, you know have <laughs> have cybernetics and and you know the Matrix or whatever the case, however you want to perceive it as today. I, th- I be think able to there's there, there's a there's a pattern that you also just uh, recognized and you and you stated that you'd find a point of interest to you in the moment, in the present, and then you'd trace back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's pretty much what, what anyone would, would do, especially if they have enough, if they're really into it. My wife doesn't as, do that. Mm-hmm. Jess one doesn't do that. So, and I'm, and I'm not saying, look, it's a, it, well, I'm not saying that. Let me rephrase yes. that. Not everyone should do that. It's a, it's a technique it's, that mm-hmm. if you want to uh, enjoy more and you want to discover more, it's always nice to go back back to the roots i can only go from i'm slightly uh i'm a different situation since i play guitar so i listen to a lot of it through a a guitar player's ears and so when i'm listening to metallica i'm not listening to because oh my god listen to the lyrics of this i'm listening because i want to be kirk hammett okay so you know uh, well so go ahead who's better who kirk or your boy from megadeth dave mustaine because Dave Mustaine was the original Kirk Hammett. He was. He was. I'm, I, I would and say. I don't know how much you've delved into Megadeth, but I I, I hear a lot of Megadeth stu- Megadeth's stuff now. Kirk works well for Metallica. Megadeth uh, and and uh, um, Mustaine works well for for Megadeth. And as as I got older, I really really appreciate Mustaine's uh, songwriting. You ability. know, I think Kirk got a little too bluesy, and he stuck with it, and he stuck with what worked. And I've yet to hear something a little more. And, and, pl- How and much plus, and plus, and plus, Mustaine is uh, uh, the front man, so he has to write all the songs. Kirk, uh, you know, Kirk he, being he, bluesy. I wonder how much that has to do with. And this is, I mean, not, clearly not a heavy metal podcast, but. Uh, how much of that is Cliff Burton's passing? Because Cliff Burton was a big um, blues and jazz guy. I'm just curious. I don't know. I'm just it a little was, tangent. It was also, I, I remember reading like a guitar uh, uh, magazine where Kirk said he was been listening to a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan. So that probably, ah, w- yes. that was a lot I, that probably rubbed off on I've him. I've heard him say that on Howard Stern as well. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. And there's, yeah, and, and it was just changing with the times as well too, man. The guitar solo just kind of like went out of uh, went out of fashion. Well, so wait, he, wait, 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 what year are we talking? Are we talking like eighty seven, eighty six? I'm talking load years. Oh, load, yeah. yeah so load, reload. So, so, so the, the, I'd say the um, the the apex of the guitar solo yeah. was probably Eddie Van Halen yeah. uh, between 1984. The album, not the year, was also the year, but maybe it came out in '83. But and fifty-one uh, fifty when it was Van Hagar, that was probably speaking from uh, taking a point in time with a specific band. Mm-hmm. The gu- guitar solo, like peak, was probably uh, Eddie Van Halen. So yeah, you're talking about Load, which is what early '90s. Yep, like '90s, mid '90s, mid '90s. You're I, talking like '94, '95, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. '95, '96. Yeah. 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 And what, I remember there, it was, was there what one or two like songs you're, you'll listen to right now off that album? Let's be real. Like right now, you want to listen to Metallica. I'm saying off those albums. I like I like Fire. Give me fuel. Give yeah, me yeah, fire. yeah, yeah. One or know. two songs. 
Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Everybody, you're going to have clunkers. Yep. And maybe somebody out there loves it. Again, music is subjective. I don't know. And especially if it's some like 13-year-old kid that is just now discovering Metallica, he probably loves that album. Oh, they're very well-produced albums. Like if you listen to the tones of them, like they're, the guitar, you were just talking about the rawness and kind of like the the, the imbalance of, of the And Justice for uh, All. No, 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 no. You no, compare no, no. the sound of that no, to No, no, no. I was talking about Kill Them All. Kill Them All is where the rawness was. Oh, the imbalance. No, I was I'm talking, I'm it talking just for all was flawed from, um, a, from a mixing perspective. Absolutely. So you take that really, you know, bad kind of like, you know, although it's one of my favorites because oh, yeah. it's so ambitious. Don't get me wrong. So ambitious. Don't get me wrong. There no, no. are a, lo- a Harvester of Sorrow. Yeah. Look, I, I love that album. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I don't. Is it my go-to? Oh, I never no. said that you don't. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I definitely agree with you as far as the sound quality. And it's what introduced it's like, me to Metallica. Yeah, it's what know? introduced me to Metallica. Um, and I finally saw them, mm-hmm. as you know. Oh, that's right, live this summer for the first time. I've never seen them mm-hmm. live till this summer, and it was a amusement park. It was so family friendly, awesome, and it was perfectly produced, mm-hmm. and the pyro was just right, and yep. I, I enjoyed it. Yes, but but I, you've seen videos in the past. No, and not only that, I'm I'm thinking about. Sean Gordley in Dayton, Ohio, in 1987, mm-hmm. standing on Mike Keurig's uh, 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 shed, my next door neighbor, with my buddy Steve Justice, with two brooms doing uh, air guitar <laughs> to Injustice for All and thrashing yes. our heads yes. in full survival mode in that city. And I'm like, and now I'm at a Metallica concert mm-hmm. and it's completely safe. <laughs> and there are like nice and pretty t-shirts and there are like 50 year old you know women and kids walking around balloons you know, i'm exaggerating but i was like i'm glad i saw I them you. yes but this is this is not quite the nostalgia i was looking Agreed. for Agreed. and but on that note um my wife just one uh you know she 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 likes to be safe as we all do at the core mm-hmm. and I was I was glad for her in that moment that it wasn't a, a mosh pit, danger situation, people carrying security out. So overall, it was the right moment to mm-hmm. take my wife. Uh, but if you re- if you really ask me, and I don't know if I've ever said it to her in this way, um, you know, I would have I would like to for the danger level to be a little bit higher to say there's probably some drunk asshole here that wants to fight, and I got to keep my head on a swivel. I never once felt that way, not once, and I'm not I'm not craving danger. Trust me, I've had enough danger in my life. Uh, but when I'm putting myself back into 13 year old Sean. It's like there was a there was a moment and a and a, a underlying expectation that I would feel that danger again and that rawness and of course I wasn't going to feel it especially in you know two thousand uh, you know seventeen America slash you know Northern Virginia you know Baltimore or you know you know I'm I'm in the Raven Stadium you know it's like you know so it it, it was a it was a a, a missed opportunity opportunity from the perspective of there was something I was I I think I was looking for that I never really expected but it was in the back of my mind wow that would be great to feel that rawness and that danger once again even though it was something I always was trying to get out of you know I never chased danger uh, but there was that nostalgia not only to hear Metallica but to feel 13 year old self again so I remember reading a, a, a guitar magazine 
when Saint Anger came out. Mm. And they were reviewing that, and the guy wanted, and the guy painted a perfect picture. He goes, he opened up the article by saying, "I remember when Metallica not only ruled metal, but they were the scariest metal band to like uh, oppose." And it was because of the fans, right? It wasn't because them. Of the fans. Yeah, it was, it was because it was of their the following. He goes, right. he goes, I, he goes. I specifically remember being on a bus, like uh, being driving us to the stadium in the in the mid eighties. Um, where they, I, I saw a bunch of older, like, like, you know, just like your thing, where you were uh, uh, thirteen and, and yeah, the kid yeah, was fifteen, yeah. seeing a bunch of, you know, uh, adults or or high school or seniors with with uh, the, the the Metallica like jackets yeah, yeah, yeah. on, just like, oh, I hope I don't see any of the so and so fans because I'm gonna kick their ass, oh, yeah. and, and like and like that guy who's who's writing the article like had that patch of that band on and like had to like <laughs> had to like hide yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it, it was. Here's a beautiful tie-in. It was it was just like sports fandom. It was right. fandom. Oh, absolutely. That's all. I, that's for, all I could think about when you were saying yeah, that just now. But just for 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 it, something. It was else. me wearing yep. a Corey Dillon Bengals jersey in Raven Stadium in mm-hmm. the early 2000s. It was me wearing a Devils jersey and, going into yeah. MSG. You know? Look, I was. I hate to keep coming back to sports. I'm not. I'm definitely. I don't think of myself as one uh, as a one trick pony. But I was in. Raven Stadium, and and if I looked it up, or if you looked it up, and you'd look when the Ravens beat the Bengals in Baltimore, I believe it was around eight, uh, 2002-ish, and it was a close game, whatever. The Ravens won. Now, now but take it back to you hiding the patch of the other band. Mm-hmm. I'm in Raven Stadium with the Bengals jersey on. The Ravens won. There was no, there were no fights on the field. There was no anger. I didn't get into an argument with anybody. Mm-hmm. I went to the bathroom after the game. Ah. Uh. And I would be I I began, or I sub- subsequently became bullied, or was bullied mm-hmm. by Ravens fans. Mm-hmm. And all I could think and vocalize was, mm-hmm. "You guys just won. Why are you angry at me? I should be angry at you." Yep. You know, and 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 even though that sucked, it's like, wow, at least there's passion. At least there's that, you know, you know passion towards my team versus your team, it's my so, band it, versus your so band. It's so weird, yeah. right? It, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It, like, like th- this type of fandom, like, defies <laughs> logic. Exactly as you said. Like, wait a minute. It should be over now, right, guys? We <laughs> right, can be friends. Right. It, it's, no. It's, Dave it's, Mustaine left in like, two, uh, 1982 or whatever. Right? Come on, man. Got oh, that, yeah. my God. And let's pivot off of this as well, too, because a lot of these, uh, uh, when, 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 you, when you talk about sports and you have the stories there, professional wrestling having uh, a storyline there. Even with music, it's kind of like when you follow the uh, bands right. long enough, there's there's stories there as well, too. And then there are stories where you run into where it's just, quote, not told right, in your opinion. Obviously, stories can be subjective as far as the interpretation. So, Ray in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, here we go. As far as that story not being told right to you. Yeah, you're going to nerd me out here. You're no, gonna, it's all right. You're going you're gonna to say this... People are going to look and, and hear and this say is, Sean Gordley is the biggest dork. In in fact, <laughs> no, no, some of listeners of, of, of the podcast that I know, they're actually like they're they're like they're oh, waiting okay. for this moment. <laughs> they're actually waiting for this moment because we've talked so much about sports, right? Right. So, go on. Your little gripe with uh, no. uh, you've had you have had plenty of of, of years to uh, you know, see the movie. So there's no spoilers here. So go right ahead. Yeah, get into I'm, it as I'm, much I'm, as you want. I'm I'm the biggest Star Wars fan I know. And and it's it, what's interesting is as contrary as I could be, as uh, 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 underdog as mm-hmm. I can be. Yes, I, I am a huge Star Wars fan, and it, and it happens you know a lot to do with era. You know, I, I went to see, uh, I was taken um, to 
see Star Wars, the original A New Hope, whatever. It wasn't called A New Hope at the time, but uh, the original Star Wars Episode Four in 19, I think, 78 or yes. 79. No, it came out in 77. But I was okay. taken to a, um, a, a, a budget theater. You know the the cheapy theater. You know you know dollar fifty whatever by my mm-hmm. uncle Brian, uh, Uncle Jeff and Uncle Gerard's older brother, and he took me. And there was somebody dressed in a Darth Vader full on costume at the time. I remember he's so afraid. I think I was, I think I was four. So if I if I w- I recall being four, is at Daybell Theater on Smithville, and uh, he, I was four. I'm with Uncle Brian. We go to see this movie, Star Wars. I know nothing about science fiction. I have mm-hmm. not had no interest at all at the time. And he, uh, I see this thing. It was it was beyond glorious as it was for many people, especially at that time. Uh, you look at it now. You know the the technology, the CGI uh, wasn't as good. Um, uh, but at the time, it was something. As many people have said over many eras, it it, it was beyond anything that had ever been out. And uh, call it a marketing machine, call it whatever, but the action figures, uh, uh, the craze of the action figures is what really uh, brought it to the forefront for me as a four-year-old, as a five-year-old. So even though I didn't um, have the greatest means uh, financially growing up, uh, I, I always found a way to procure Star Wars action figures. Very um, nice. I, I'm sure like everybody else my age, everybody else not even my age at that time, um, in the late, right around 80, I think when the real explosion of, um, George Lucas's master plan of throwing in like a random, you know, quarter second creature in the background, some species that barely was defined, maybe on wikipedia.org many years mm-hmm. later, uh, just to create the action figure. Um, or, you know, especially, you know, in an extreme case, having a, um, you know, mail order, um, figure come in like the original Boba Fett. Um, but yeah, that was baseballs covered this merchandise, yeah, merchandise, yeah, yeah. No, and it's brilliant. <laughs> look, look, I look, I, I don't know how much of that goes into uh, into me today, but many times when I'm having any interaction, I'm I'm oftentimes or many times thinking about what's the business angle of whatever this conversation is. Like, I'm like, okay, what's what's the catch or why did they do this? Mm. Um, it's very clear why Lucas did it, and I applaud him. Um, and I maybe the peak was Empire Strikes Back from a movie perspective. Maybe it was Rogue One. Maybe a lot, a lot of people. I don't know. A lot of people enjoy it. Well, would say Empire was like the strongest one. But on that note, mm. I paused and said maybe it was Rogue One. It might. Rogue have, One was pretty good. Rogue One. <sighs> look, it, it's a side story. Yep. But then again, is it a side story? Is it a side story just because? You know, the main characters, you know, you know, such as, you know, Han and Leia, obviously she's briefly in it, um, Mm -hmm. uh, and Luke, et cetera, weren't in it. Maybe it's not a side story. I don't know. It's being portrayed as one, right? Look, look, look how the sound wasn't the same. The font wasn't the same. Um, uh, It was called a Star Wars story. It didn't start with the crawl. Exactly. You know, so I get it. Well, let's just say that it was a side story. It was Mm -hmm. a, it was a companion piece to the, to the franchise. Uh, But going back to, you know, the early eighties, um, and my love of Star Wars and my continued love, um, it became the, the one thing that I was m- consumed in uh, every decade of my life. Every decade of my life had a component of Star Wars to it. Uh, the 80s was full of action figures and, you know, episodes four, five, six. Uh, I'm just going to say 80s for the sake of you know, the original movie. Um, and then in 91 or 92, 
somebody randomly at school who knew I, I like Star Wars. I wouldn't talk about it all the time. Again, mm-hmm. as we talked earlier, pre-internet, pre-mass you know, media as far as being able to connect with people. Somebody was like, hey, you know, there's a Star Wars book out. And I started – I had already heard about like this Journal of Wills, Journal of the Wills, which was um, – and later found out it was kind of like fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a real thing. I was like, oh, it's the backstory of mm-hmm. of all this stuff that I, I've loved my whole life in this childhood moment. Uh, but the reality was what was coming was the uh, Timothy Zahn uh, yes. uh, trilogy uh, with uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And you know, I've always I've always been a vi- villain fan. You know, I, I've it's as, as got later trilogy. It was it was like something dark, and then Rebel Assault, and then something no. with the, or, or do I have it the other way around? It, it was definitely three books. It was three. It was uh, the, the, the villain dark, was Grand Admiral Thrawn. He's like a chiss. A dark something dreadnought dark dreadnought were the ships um what was the first one i can't remember yeah i can't remember i believe or maybe the third one was rebel assault ah whatever the point is who cares right grand admiral thawne's was was mara jade introduced in this mara jade was introduced yes there you go anyway Uh, rock rock who Mm -hmm. was uh was the species i can't remember the species uh, that that the, the 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 advanced like warfare species that mm-hmm. uh, that Grand Admiral Thrawn had. I named my cat uh, that I found in college uh, Ruck. My first cat was Ruck. R U K H was based off that character. Um, but it re- it reinvigorated my love for Star Wars. It, and it, also, Zan, and Timothy Zan was considered like and, 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 and he was and, great. And is it Zan or Zan? Which is it? Because I've heard both pronunciations. I've just it's, heard Zan. It's Z-A-H, Z-A-H-N. I've heard Zan. I've heard Tim, Timothy Zan. It probably is. Uh, I have always said Zan, but I think I've been corrected on that before, like you're doing to me now. Thanks. No, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, I, and so. if, if if you know, we're if. if I'm murdering his last name, then then I I take full ownership of it, and I also just say, hey, people have been murdering my last name enough all all the way from uh, childhood, so I get a little revenge murdering someone else's last name. So. Yeah, what I how did I oh, I'm not going to repeat how I murdered uh, your name the other day. That's all right. So it was both vulgar and offensive to like an entire um, you know, culture of people. So, um, but going back to Star Wars, uh, so uh, that that trilogy, I I, I remember re- uh, somebody handed me the book mm-hmm. uh, in high school. It was right toward it was towards the end of my senior year, my first year of college. The second book came out, and I remember sitting in class when I did go to class. I remember tucking that book. Uh, into my textbooks during mm-hmm. class, and I couldn't couldn't put it down. <laughs> and then uh, I'm, I'm not trying to recreate history here. Everybody has Wikipedia. Anybody can look this up. But me personally, so the '90s became these books, and then uh, the special edition uh, uh, re-releases of the original three movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that when they edited it? Too? Yes, which yeah. at the time I was extremely excited about because it brought back this nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, um, Jay, who you know, uh, you know, one of my best friends, he he was there uh, with me in in Ohio, and we went to see uh, you know a, a New Hope with the special edition. And it wasn't so much that it was the special edition; it wasn't so much that it had these edits, which I subsequently hate. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sitting back in the theater. Yes. It was seeing the crawl, seeing it on the big screen. Um, you know, it, it, it was it brought me back to a you know I hate to be cliche, but like an innocent, more innocent time of, of life. Nostalgia, yeah, nostalgia, absolutely. And then when my son was born in '96, we all knew what was coming, hmm. and that was Episode One, mm-hmm. uh, which is by far the worst movie. In, in, out of all the Star Wars movies. In fact, you can take that movie, never watch it, and you won't miss a beat. Yep. 
You, you won't miss a beat. If you took episode one, never even heard of it, and just just it acted like it never existed, nobody ever say a thing about, you know, let's just say Jar Jar and young Anakin and the pod race and even Darth Maul, who was the best part of the movie, uh, you would not miss a thing storyline-wise. There would be no gaps. So, but, but that said... Uh, so the the 90s ended with episode one, which I was extremely excited about. I had a three-year-old son who I could share. Three-year-old son. I was three or four when I first saw Star Wars, and he was obsessed with it. He had the Star Wars clothes. Uh, well, it's not like he went out and bought it himself, so I wonder how mm-hmm. he got the Star Wars clothes. <laughs> but we, we, we experienced Star Wars together. In fact, my father flew up from Florida to watch the premiere with me and Caleb. Wow. So it was three generations watching Star Wars together. It was a That's big awesome. moment. That's awesome. It was a huge moment. Even though the movie sucked, the moment was amazing. Um, so so that was the 90s when it came to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2000 then continued with episode you know, two and three. Three was the best of the prequels, uh, but not by much. Um, uh, and then and in 2000, uh, I, started, I started to uh, collect the figures again because they were re-releasing them. There was a lot of, uh, with the, with the new movies, with the, uh, they were backdating the old uh, characters. So, you know, the marketing machine, I started collecting the vehicles and the figures, everything I couldn't necessarily afford as a kid, even though I was getting these toys here and there, Christmas birthdays, things like that, begging my aunt Janice at Kmart, you know, for a $2 and 95 cent, you know, Jawa, whatever it was, you know, I had these things from time to time, uh, but never at the level, Level that my peers did and mm-hmm. I would be so jealous when I went over their house and I was like oh you got the Millennium Falcon I've never had the Millennium Falcon until <laughs> it was re-released as an adult and I showed up at Walmart at 5 o'clock in the morning and I bought the Millennium Falcon which had the exact same mold with different stickers that the original one that I never had so I was able to collect these things and if you my wife will tell you uh, which she probably hates because uh, it's taking up almost an entire room I have a gang of of action figures sitting in my office yeah, behind so the, glass. the specific scenes too. Specific, Some people have nativity I, I, scenes I, for I, you know I do, Christmas. I you do, have I do. you know recreations of of uh, name one. G- look, look, Jesus versus Luke is the story that much different. It's pretty much the same story. <laughs> no, uh, yes, I have um, I have the Jabba's uh, palace scene. Nice. Um, and everybody is sitting in the exact same spot they were. <laughs> I tried to freeze frame as best I could. Uh, my most epic uh, diorama, if you will, is the cantina scene. I, I, awesome. I, I, I have um, I had to scour eBay mm-hmm. and spent like an average of twenty dollars an action figure oh, to geez. get every single you know back character to put in the uh, exact right spot. It's not mm-hmm. like it's just Han Solo and Greedo in the corner. Um, and please don't say Hanshot first. I mean, we all know the answer mm-hmm. to that. That's so cliche. <laughs> um, but I, I have that. Uh, you know, you know, some Empire Strikes Back scenes here and there. Whatever. It, it, the, the, the important thing is, to me, to wrap this up on some level, is that you know, Star Wars has been a, a major part of my life in every decade, and it continues to be there. Um, and, and even it, it, I recognize that on a lot of levels it's overly commercialized it's watered down in fact if you if you look at and i'm i consider myself a a movie buff and if in my top 25 movies of all time i think empire strikes back's there none of the other movies are so as much Mm -hmm. as i love star wars yes i don't consider them like epically great movies Mm -hmm. but that n-word 
nostalgia mm-hmm. is there and and it it, it i self actualize it's it's i always realize that it, it is nostalgia and i don't care it's worth it you know it's worth it yep. and, and and it's it's look it's innocent on a lot of levels and it's it's you know harmless like you know um but it's there and it's it's worth it and i'm looking forward to the han solo movie not so much episode eight i don't really care about luke skywalker but uh, I'm sorry. I, I said. Oh, so but, you're, you're going into this after seven yo, and after eight. You're not looking are, forward to at all. We really. are. We are a month away. Yes. Ish from episode eight. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this in 2018, you've already seen the movie. Probably. Uh, the the thing I'm l- looking forward to the most mm-hmm. in that movie is uh, hopefully reveal who Snoke really is. Yes. I think he's Mace Windu. Uh, I'm not the only one that thinks that, mm-hmm. um, but that's what I'm really looking for. I, I really don't care, even though it's nostalgic. I don't care about Luke. I've always hated Luke, even as mm-hmm. a five year old. I, I thought Luke was a you know a whindy punk. Uh, I always mm-hmm. like the guys that are. We've talked about this recently that don't have the powers. I like the Han Solos. I like the uh, the Mortal Man, and and all things media, uh, all things fiction. I'm I'm all about the Mortal Man, the swashbuckler, buckler, as if you will. Uh, but. Uh, uh, so that's what I'm looking for. You know, what, who is I, I guess that was your problem with, with Ray, right? Ray, Just due to the powers. I've gone on this rant a million times. Um, Ray, you know, I, look, I'm all about women's empowerment and I, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to call myself a feminist, but I'm pro equal rights for all people. I don't want to even class break it down to a, a gender. Um, uh, and yes, I like seeing uh, different types of people on the screen, whether it's race, religion, or gender, um, being heroes. Uh, and this or has, droids. Or droids. And this has nothing to do with Ray being a woman. Mm-hmm. Which, again, it's cool that she is a, happens to be a woman, but her character was, uh, I think, too shoved down our throats uh, as a viewer. She, I'm sure she has a backstory of struggle, but let's take, let's take episode seven, uh, uh, for that two hour, two mm-hmm. hour, 15 block, whatever it was mm-hmm. in that I did. I personally didn't see a lot of struggle. Mm-hmm. There was very little. Yes. Uh, her, her dad didn't even die in the beginning. You yep. know, maybe her mom, I guess her mom, did her mom die? Yeah, I guess her mom died. Um, but it's like, how, how was she flying the Millennium Falcon better than Han Solo? How is she? The moment she sat in it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. How, how is, is she? she? And yes, yes, I'm going to, yes, it was, uh, 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 um, Kylo Ren had a protected loss to Rey in that battle, that, that <laughs> lightsaber battle at the end, because he was like he had a wound in his oh, side, like the end of Gladiator. But it's like she defeated this guy who has been trained by Snoke mm-hmm. uh, and maybe others. Mm-hmm. First time she picks up a lightsaber for the most part, and she was able to thwart him. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and 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 it's like, uh, why? How? How? Why? How? You know what? And and and. A lot has to do with the way we're consuming media. Has a lot has to do with this two-hour block of a, a movie. A lot has to do with um, coming back to what Star Wars is and getting a new audience and trying to grab back the old audience, which is mm-hmm. a lot. A lot of the reason why people say that it's basically Episode Four all over again. There were many similarities. Yes. Uh, when it came to Episode Seven, so I and I get that and I respect that. Mm-hmm. I respect getting the new audience. Without the new audience, uh, maybe you won't get the, another quote-unquote Empire Strikes Back. You know, maybe we'll see mm-hmm. it as early as episode eight. Mm-hmm. But she, um, it, it, on screen in those two hours, it was too easy. Mm-hmm. And um, 
she was, uh, you know, I said I started to say wrestling breed, bleed with the protected loss, but she was super Cena. She was, mm-hmm. she was somebody in any form of media mm. where it's, hey, uh, everything goes right for this person, yes, and they're being shoved down your throat. Gotcha. And that's what bothered me about Ray. Mm-hmm. So, and you and you remember my counter argument to all of that, right? <sighs> no. <laughs> I probably I probably tuned it out because I was amped. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What's your counter argument? The the counter argument to that to that was as you were saying, like, how did so 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 and I said, that's right, how? How did she fly the Millennium Falcon? And I, that's right, how? How did she know how to use the lights for that's right, how? So you're saying the Go how is ahead. the real story. Yes. Blah. So I'm saying in a vacuum. In a vacuum. Absolutely. In a, in a vacuum, absolutely. If that was the only yes. thing and there was and there was no hint and that was like the only movie, absolutely. So your argument, Horrible. so if I'm hearing you right, if, I'm, if I'm inferring I, I, right. If, mind if, melt. Go you're, ahead. Read you're, my mind. You're going Use to take, force. You're going to take the, what becomes this um, uh, third act, this third set of trilogy, this episode seven, eight, nine. Yes. And you're saying as a whole, mm-hmm. it's going to uh, be worth it from her character standpoint. And to take it a step further, potentially... Mm. Any companion media, books, video mm-hmm. games, mm-hmm. Uh, TV shows, whatever it may be, yes. uh, short stories, uh, uh, all of that you, you predict. Yes. And I'm really taking Go this. Ahead. I'm really putting words in it. your mouth. Go ahead. No, uh, I, we'll, I, I, we'll make it worth it. And and I'll take it even a step further. Mm. You're predicting that I will appreciate Ray when it's all said and done. I'm saying that in episode eight, Hopefully, all of those. Yes, how? Ooh, how? As early as how? Eight. As, early as, as eight. early as eight. Hopefully, those will be will be uh, um, answered. My my theory has always been that uh, she has already had uh, a past of where she already had her training and she already had uh, these abilities. And for whatever reason, question mark, question mark, question mark. She either lost them, or they've been blocked, or they've been stunted. And in that in that latest episode, somehow it it just started so memory coming back wipe, to her. Potentially memory memory wipe. What, what you're saying is either, one possible either, scenario is it's it's uh it's been blocked from her own memory. Yes. Or we still don't know about her because remember they would show flashbacks of her past and it and it included there weren't many. something really there weren't many they weren't there weren't many exactly. there weren't there many. weren't many there weren't there was the opening scene yeah okay yeah. one where with with uh, her parents but you you actually you actually you actually uh, when you were uh, predicting what I was going to say you actually wrapped up even like you went even further I'm like ah I didn't even think of that as far as uh, 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 what is it seven eight and nine as a whole. It, you'll see it as the complete picture, and then also, though maybe you you get the whole the potential of like that whole time period of quote Ray before we knew her. That could also be a bunch of spinoffs as as, as well there. But too. I don't want oh, that to be the payoff. I don't, I, I don't, do, by the if, if I understand that if that if that happens mm-hmm. if the payoff is there is a uh, a Netflix series uh, uh, six episodes of Ray yeah. and it explains all. Mm-hmm. It's going to be too late for me. It is for it me is. personally. No, I also I'm agree like, with that too. That's I'm like, the, 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 too late now to fix it. The explanation <laughs> should not be there. It, they should hint on it a little, not hint. They should do a lot. There's eight should have a lot of explanation for those questions of those hows, and not only that, but it should be the empire part where there's a twist that's going to make us go, "What the fuck?" And then I want to see nine. The iron. if they do if they do not do that, then. I will say, yeah. The flop. irony, the irony yes. of that scenario, yes, is that 
the cynical part of me, which is mm, no, 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 go on. Is well, that, wait, wait, it, can, it, can that, I can I play this? Can I play this part for you? Since you did it for me, uh, what is it? Lucasfilm and everything is owned by Disney now, correct? All of that. That's all Disney stuff, of course. Disney is known to has been known to be extremely heavy handed in their approach and not very subtle. So I'm I'm thinking there's a good chance that they fuck it up. So not go not on. just fuck it up. I mean, I'm saying me personally, yes, as somebody. We talked about this earlier with sports. Mm-hmm. I'm looking um, for the pain, the suffering, and the yes. payoff. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in wrestling as well. We touched upon it. We didn't go too deep in wrestling. Mm-hmm. I guess you could with Bailey. We could have. We could have touched upon Bailey because that's what exactly what Bailey went through. We didn't go into the detail. Mm-hmm. Look it up. All right, but we'll have to get into another <laughs> podcast all about that. When it comes, when it comes um, to if 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 they. Meaning Disney or who's who's directing this bad boy? It's not it's not whoever it is. Who cares? I don't even care who it is. But the point is, if Disney slash the Star Wars franchise in Episode Eight pulls something too close to Empire Strikes Back, ah, I got you. If if it's too much of a callback, it's back like to, oh wow, because you already did a reboot. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I to do, simply I have oh Snoke, uh, Snoke's. Uh, the father. Know, the Snoke's the father. I am your father. And yeah. he uses the exact line, I'm yeah. your father. No, no, no. Yeah. Snoke is, is is the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> He's behind oh, a curtain. Jesus. I'm just saying. Or whatever. It, it, no, but uh, I joke. But if it is too similar mm-hmm. to the formula of Empire Strikes Back, which is what makes um, uh, that standalone movie so mm-hmm. beloved, the mm-hmm. cynical part of Sean is going uh, 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 to regret it. I'm going to not appreciate it as much. And that's mm-hmm. unfortunate. So maybe I need to go in just suspending uh, disbelief a little bit more. Maybe you sh- you have to go into exactly the, the mindset that you did with pro wrestling when you said you were so burnt out on sports to just, that's true. you know. But in any case, right. I don't I don't think this is anything to be to be burnt out on because this was actually really cool. This was two hours. You did two hours. Two hours. Yeah, man. How many were beer breaks? Yeah. What's that? How many were beer breaks? No, well, after all the edits, no one's gonna know. All right. You know. Right. So, um, I really appreciate it, Sean. Thank Same. you for for coming out for Warren's birthday as well too, and also taking the time out to talk and pass these st- definitely awesome stories down <laughs> to him. And I really appreciate Tip that, Mattisburg. And exactly, and I hope to have you back maybe after episode eight drops, and then we, and then we'll probably you'll be spitting fire with Napalm Sean of your frustrations with that movie. And five months later, solo. Yes, yes. Well, thank exactly. you very much. Thank you, and have a great night. You too.